We're back. Episode 55 of the Whole Milk League podcast. It's been a long hiatus, uh, uh, but we've returned in a big way. As always, I'm joined by AJ. What's poppin' people? It's AJ back again with another podcast. Mitchell. What's going on? And Clint. Howdy. So we're actually here today for our 2021 move movie. God, I almost film spotted it and it got tripped up. <laughs> our 2021 movie review. Uh, but first, we do want to congratulate um, Mr. Daddy Daycare, Frank DeBevick, on the uh, the championship. And then, more importantly, we want to, uh, I don't know, give throw the op- shame. Yeah, give the op- <laughs> I, I, think, I think it got kind of immortalized when I used to, I think that there was a year, maybe early in college, when I would write up in the old Facebook page, like, reviews of the matchups or whatever. And the year, the, that one year, I said... Congratulations to the winner and the opposite of congratulations to yeah. the loser. So opposite of congratulations to Ben. Yeah. For the three feet on the skin. Yeah, we, we tried to assign it a little early. Uh sorry, Ben, you earned it on your own. Um yeah, right, be- right before we started recording, Mitchell did say that he sent Ben to the Shadow Realm and then realized how close to the edge of the Shadow Realm he was and kind of t- <laughs> <laughs> kind of stopped that trash talking. But yeah, I'm sure I'm sure it was a nice 98 points or whatever by Mitchell's team. I don't know. <laughs> I think I'm, I'm just glad I can keep no, the yeah. game. I think DK Metcalf actually showed up for the first time in like six weeks for that game, probably. Yeah, CD Lamb and DK so- kind of took a little. Little nap at the end of the season there. Yeah. Are you keeping your name next year? Is that an early? I'm just oh, gonna wow. switch it to Ben's face instead of the. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a bold strategy, Cotton. We'll see how it pays off. Yeah, me. I haven't gotten the, my creative gears going yet. Uh, I assume I didn't do well last year because of my name. So, no. got to pick someone else to target. Yeah, I got to blame it on something. <laughs> Definitely wasn't your fault. No, no, that wouldn't be possible. Uh, but yeah, like I said, we're here to discuss 2021's movies. Um, a, I saw 32, I was shooting for 35 and didn't quite get there. AJ, you were what? 70 or so? Uh, well, when I, when I, I posted my top 10 on my blog when I was at 69. Nice. Uh, I've seen a couple since then. I think I'm, I'm at 71 and like four fifths. I got, I'm like, I have like 20 minutes left. In movie. So nice. I saw you were seeing sundown. Is that part of the, that's 2022. Is that like sunrise and all that? Or is that something different? No. Oh, okay. That was that. Uh, the Ethan Hawke one, Sunrise, Sunset. Uh, no, no, no. The, yeah, that's before Sunrise. Before oh, yeah. Sunset, before oh, before Sunset. Oh, before. I thought, because yeah. I'm thinking about it, I'm like, I thought they already did that. It was a trilogy, but this is Sundown, so maybe. <laughs> no, yeah. So, sundown, not not a great movie, but a very relatable premise in that it's just about Tim Roth that goes on vacation and decides that he never wants to leave, which, you know, honestly, relatable. <laughs> yeah, <fun>. very relatable. <laughs> uh, Clint and Mitchell are here to contribute when they can. Mitchell had a top five. I'm in, uh, I've got like 20 or so that I've, I've seen this year. I, I saw a decent chunk of movies. Yeah, yeah that's not bad at all. I mean, yeah, but I mean, just like 15 animated movies or whatever. That's the yeah, yeah, yeah. thing. It was a good year for animated movies. Uh, I, would, I would argue it was not. Comparatively, at the very least. Yeah. I, I mean, think it was It was a good year for studios that don't normally dominate in animation. Not a good Disney year. No. Not a good Pixar year. No. But I was happy overall. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Not a lot of yeah, no, I've got, no Ghibli movies really that I can discern. Apparently, they like did the animations for one, but that was it. That came yeah. out. They didn't write. They didn't have their own studio movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so me and AJ are going to do top ten lists. Mitch is going to contribute to top five, and then him and uh, Clint will both. You know, if they've seen something, they'll jump in. And then my, I love talking about my least favorite movies of the year. Um, and yeah, what I basically have as the, um, the cutoff line is anything worse than Clifford, 
Um, <laughs> and there's three movies down there. Yeah, that would, that would be pretty low for me. <laughs> <laughs> and the three movies are... It's more like when I put Lion King in last because I have a personal vendetta. That's that's the three movies I have down there. So <laughs> yeah, um, I'm not going to talk about everything I disliked because I was my cutoff was No Time to Die as the highest rated movie I would not recommend people go see. So hmm. I have quite a few less than that, but we'll talk about the ones that are in the basement. I still and I still might shuffle my list around. I'm I've had a terrible time where this was such a. To me, it was a middling field of I have a lot of movies that I'd feel really good putting at like five <laughs> yeah. out of my top ten, but I never really had one at ten and one at one. And so I have a lot that could be my ten. I was kind of I thought that me like putting out an official ten and posting it on my site would change, but I still have the the want that like that need to just like shuffle things around. So I, I feel <laughs> that for sure. Yeah. So do we want to start at ten, work to one? And then we'll just circle back and touch on the ones we didn't like at the end. Do you want me to pop That's in fine. whenever one of mine shows up? Or do you want me to yeah. catch up once, you, if once we, we get to five? If we list one that you've seen, just jump in and say, hey, I actually had that at blank. Because it'll scale a little bit anyways. And yeah. then that'll keep us down to doing uh, two lists. So Yeah, I, I think that as this goes on, we'll get a little bit more combative. And I think when we get those that energy going, that talking about the ones we hated will be more fun. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah and... Well, and it, I mean, AJ's obviously going to have a lot of movies up there that we neither of us seen. So there. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and burn through mine as fast as possible. I'll plug my article at the end if you guys really want to read what I think about these movies. But I'm just gonna try and say enough about the ones that no one else has seen to get you guys interested enough that if you want to see it, that you can and you know what it's about. Say a little bit why I like it, and then try and move on to get, and get to stuff that we've all seen. Okay, cool, perfect. Um, well, then I, I guess I will go first. Um, go for it with my number 10 um, I'm desperately trying to get the, the phone app letterbox we're recording on my phone so I'm trying to learn how to use letterbox I have letterbox mine ready do you want me to just do my 10 um, <laughs> yeah because though. mine's a downer of a 10 so <laughs> well I mean a lot of my list is down so, <laughs> <laughs> I was kicking off. Um, so my number 10 uh, we did the, uh, the first one of these I think we did back was in 2018 um, my number one that year was first performed by Paul Schrader. Mm. His newest movie, The Card Counter, is my number 10. Mm. Um, it's about Oscar Isaac is a man named William Tell. He formerly was a military colonel at uh, and served as a prison guard in Abu Ghraib, uh, now known as one of the famous uh, torture prisons uh, that the U.S. held. And he now uh, just kind of tries to get through every day by counting cards at casinos, playing poker or playing blackjack or whatever. He just wins a small amount of money and then he moves on to the next one. He famously has a quote in the movie that says that casino owners don't really care about people that count cards. They just care about people that count cards and win too much. So he just wins just enough to get himself by, buy, have a hotel room for the night, have a warm meal, and then goes on to the next one. Uh, he sort of, uh, the, his past sorts, uh, starts to come up more in the as the movie goes on. And he's sort of tries to investigate his past and see if he can forgive himself for the crimes that he's made. And if he even can, how does he go about doing that? Um, he uses the characters that Tiffany Haddish plays and that Ty Sheridan plays to sort of try and find different avenues towards that. And I don't, I mean, I guess I don't really want to spoil the ending, but he kind of comes to the uh, realization at the end that while that may or may not be true, you can still find ways to, better people's lives and through that 
find your own happiness. So uh, while it was a sad and mad movie for most of it, I think that it <laughs> ended in a, a hopeful place, and I thought found it pretty provoking. So that's my number ten. How was uh, Tiffany Haddish in it? Uh, she was good. Paul Schrader's very strange, and the way that he shoots stuff in this old school style and his dialogue that he writes, it doesn't super. It doesn't sound right coming out of her mouth, hmm. but. She was compelling in it, and she actually, uh, her and Oscar Isaac have a sort of romantic side plot in the movie, and they have actually surprisingly very good chemistry. So, yeah, I just she just gets typecast a lot. Like I was looking at watching Bad Trip. I, I still might watch it. Yeah, I want to see that where she's playing. She's just playing like an ex-con and just mm-hmm. yelling the whole time. And like I feel like that's so many of her roles, and this just doesn't seem like that's what she was doing. Yeah. Um. But she's very funny and still it's it has it has oh, some lighthearted humor. Okay. It, it, it has some lighthearted humor. Oh, and, and Willem Dafoe's in it for a little bit too. I forgot to mention that too. It's always, always good to have in a movie. Yeah. Um, so my number ten, then I put Power mm-hmm. the Dog. Um, now it's tough. It's I just watched it this morning actually to try to get one kind of buzzy movie onto my list at the last moment. Um, it's a movie that I don't know that I. I think it would benefit from one more watch, but I don't think I'd watch it a third time. Um, a lot comes together right at the end of it that explains the whole movie. For the most part, they do a good job dropping clues along the way for you to figure out what's going on. But even then, the first the first half of the movie, I wasn't sure I was going to like it. And it, it gets a lot better on the back half. Um, but a lot of it's just like a montage of... I just want to say all the wrong names, but Benedict Cumberly Snatch. Um, He's just being a dick for an hour. And you're like, this is no good. But the atmosphere is great. The the soundtrack and the the sound design are really good. Um, They're out in Montana in 1925. It was filmed in New Zealand. Um, So it's just, it's a pleasurable movie to experience um, when you're not watching him just beat the shit out of a horse because he's upset like so um it has interesting themes at the end um because it's a yeah there's a he takes on a bit of a fatherly role of his um sister-in-law's son and their relationship the the relationship they go through is interesting and ambiguous a bit so i liked it like I said, I'd watch it one more time. I don't know if I'd need a third, but it was very good. So Yeah, that's fair. Um, if you actually, if you read my article, that's the one that I meant to mention is that if you read my article, The Power of the Dog was my number seven, and it is not currently on this list. Um, don't explain to me how the list making works or whatever. <laughs> it probably should be. I don't know. Uh, just the more that I thought about it, and someone read my blurb, and they were like, it doesn't really seem like you like this movie. Why don't you put it on your list? It's The Power of the Dog is probably too smart for me. Uh, it's like, I don't know, 11, 12, 13-ish in that range. Um, I liked it a lot. I thought it was uh, Cumberbatch's best performance by a mile. Um, and I, if I was making a list of the 10 most perfect movies of the year, that one would feature very highly. But that sort of movie... I like movies when they're a little bit shaggier, when they're a little bit looser, when they're a little bit more ambiguous. And that one sort of leads you astray, but then leads you down one path towards the end and ties it very neatly with a bow. And I was, I thought it was interesting and I was kind of a little bit surprised, but I haven't really thought about it because it leaves everything so nicely tied up at the end that I haven't really wanted to consider it outside of that. Okay. We'll talk, we'll talk outside. I still, there's some ambiguity about the, son about i think his 
what parts of him were true and what was a lie. I mean, the way he presented himself. Okay. So I think I, I think I just have my own theory yeah. about that maybe, but yeah. It, and, and also shout out Bronco Henry. That's my dude. So, <laughs> well, I don't know if that's... The Twitter people love Bronco Henry. I had to shout out. Well, okay, so I was laughing about how many times Bronco Henry got name-dropped in the movie until, I mean, you get a pretty yeah. clear understanding yeah, of who Bronco Henry was, and it's not exactly a role model. Yeah. But um, yeah. I will say, Power the Dog bumped out my... And you know what? As I'm looking at this... I and did, your list is probably going to look better than mine, because I think the Power of the Dog is going to win the Best Picture. If I had to like pick really? a movie, I, that's my hmm. guess right now. I didn't add... I actually saw 33 movies because I didn't add the, um, what's the travel movie with the two ladies I watched recently? Oh. Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. Oh, yeah, you didn't look on your list. I forgot to add that to my list. Yeah, that's one that kind of evaporates from your brain as you're it. It really does. It. Yeah. I th- honestly, it would probably be at like 14. It would be just above halfway just because of how goofy it was and Jamie yeah. Dornan does a musical number. But <laughs> what I was going to say was that Power of the Dog bumped out Plan B um, for my number 10 spot. Oh, okay. Plan B, AJ actually hadn't heard of. It's a Hulu original. I said it was like super bad meets Booksmart, and it's two girls in South Dakota go looking for the Plan B pill um, because <laughs> one finds a condom in her the day after a party they host. Um, not in a rapey way. No, no, no. Not yeah. Just in a I think I'm pregnant way, and yeah. it's rural South Dakota, and nobody wants to give them Plan B. So yeah. <laughs> funny original not great on the consistency of tone uh, because it does dip into like some um, uh, sexual a assault and sexual orientation stuff that the, while that stuff was fine, it didn't fit the tone of the movie. Um, But I really enjoyed it. It's on Hulu. So nice. AJ, what's your number nine? Um, My number nine is liquor's pizza. uh, Mm -hmm. The newest Paul Thomas Anderson Mm -hmm. movie. One of my favorite filmmakers. Um, Sort of about uh, Gary Valentine, played by Cooper Hoffman. Yes, that is Philip Cooper Hoffman's son. And Alana Kane, who's played by Alana Haim, uh, or Alana Haim, sorry, from the band Haim uh, that she has with her two sisters. Uh, her first acting role, she's great in the film. And it's just about the two of them sort of coming in age at different trajectories in their life in the San Fernando Valley in 1973. He is a 15-year-old still in school. He was a child actor, but he's a hustler. He'll do anything to make a buck. He has all sorts of crazy ideas. He and his mom have like a PR firm, so they say it's not really ever explained in the movie. He's very ambitious. Alana is somewhere in her mid-20s-ish um, and does is in a rut, doesn't really know what to do. Um, she kind of just does anything that she can to get by, and she's struck by his ambition and, you know, his confidence that he goes into everything with. And they sort of form this friendship and sort of, you know, I, as I said, come of age, at the, um, you know, in this time period. Uh, there's a lot of famous people that crop up in the film, like John Peters is in the film, famously played by Bradley Cooper, in one of the best supporting performances of the year. One of the times that lasts the hardest at the movies all year. And, you know, it's just... It's just a, one of those slice-of-life hangout movies that Paul Thomas Anderson doesn't normally make. I sort of go into his movies expecting that I'm watching the best movie of the year because so many of his I love so many of his movies, and so many of his movies have been my number one of that year. But this one sort of forced me to put my guard down a little bit, but once I did, I was able to let the film wash over me more, and I was able to respect what it was going after. Um, and again, trigger warning... There is 
a, a kiss scene. So if that's not your thing where you are totally disgusted by the very real thing that happens where people date people younger than 18, hmm. then trigger warning, don't see it. But, um, you know, I thought that it was very well constructed and crafted. Hmm. I do want to see that one. I've heard good buzz about it. Um, it's a very good way into his films if you mm-hmm. have seen some and not liked them or haven't seen any at all. So Licorice Pizza? Licorice Pizza is what it's called, yes. It has nothing to do with pizza? It's, it, it's, <laughs> Licorice Pizza was a record store chain okay. in California in this time period. They don't specifically go to one. It's not name dropped in the film at all, but it's just a throwback to that sort of time. Okay. Um, I think I have, we, we have a first party play here, but I think my first surprise of the list, um, at number nine, I have Spider-Man No Way Home. Okay. Um, so I, we all saw this one. Um, I really enjoyed it, but I think I enjoyed it so much for the last third of the movie, which is what AJ hates about it. But <laughs> I do think a lot of the lead up to it was fairly bland and by the books. Um, so I, don't necessarily have anything bad to say about it. I might have it up there just because I really like Spider-Man. I like Tom Holland and Zendaya in the in the role. Um, the lovely Samantha just brought us, I think, a brownie batter leftovers. So a little ener- uh, performance boost here. Um, <laughs> but uh, the cast is fun. It's just, at the end of the day... I have a tough time ranking it from being between not being a great movie, but being something I enjoyed. So well, I throw it, it at nine. <laughs> I mean, this is, your, this is your list. Like if you enjoy the movie, you enjoy the movie. You don't have to justify it. Well, to, to the world is like this, this masterclass in filmmaking. No, it's an enjoyable movie. If you like Spider-Man, you'll, you'll probably, enjoy but it's it. just, not, it's not something I would go to bat for. Like I would Marvel movies in past years. Yeah. I really sure. like the final f- one. Once, once the, all the characters come together and then they go on to have their final fight, I really enjoy that. But leading up to it, it was fine. Sure, yeah. I just knew that was coming, so that's part of why I was so in for it. Like, uh, <laughs> it was no masterpiece by all means, but it was it was a fun movie to watch. Yeah, I feel like. Yeah, and that'll that'll pop up later. <laughs> all right, that's fine. We yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm glad that it's this low. I figured that it would be on the list somewhere. I hate that movie. But <laughs> yeah, glad AJ, you guys liked it. AJ didn't like it at all, and that, but I said it was a surprise because I mean, I'm very surprised to see it this low. On your this list. shouldn't be a surprise. That's my highest Marvel movie of the year. So we're done with Marvel on my list, which is uncommon. Usually, there's a yeah. top five movie that's, that's Marvel. That's I'm surprised by that. Marvel you could even argue that it's yeah. a Sony movie. So huh. it's my only Marvel movie. You on have. Ooh. I was gonna say you have that higher than Sing Chi. I sure do, by a number of movies actually. Shang Chi, I guess. Are we getting to Shang Chi later? We can. Well, we'll cross we that bridge. Right? All right, we'll cross that bridge. Today. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, not a ton to say about Spider Man, but maybe we'll circle back with people who liked it more than I did. Um, what do we have for number eight, AJ? Uh, my number eight is Bourbon Island uh, by Mia Hansen Love. This is a very meta movie uh, about a uh, character uh, played by Vicky Creeps and Tim Roth. They are two filmmakers in the film. Uh, they are going to Bergman Island, uh, named after Ingmar Bergman. If you 
all don't do not know him. He is a Swedish filmmaker from decades ago. Made some of the greatest and most influential movies of all time. This is an island that he moved to and sort of is named after him. It's not officially named Bergman Island, but that's what it's known as to most people these days. Uh, they go there to get some inspiration for their next projects and also to try and rekindle their relationship a little bit because they've become a little distant. Uh, so where the meta layers start to come through is about halfway through the film. Vicky Creeps' character wants to tell Tim Roth about the idea she has for a new story. And as she's telling him on a walk the plot of her new story, we see it unfold within the film. So it sort of has that film within a film uh, moniker within it. And also, and also this is an autofictional movie because Mia Hansen Love was previously married to Olivier Asayas. Uh, one of my film, favorite filmmakers. She's one of my favorite filmmakers too. But um, uh, they were married and recently separated. Uh, and apparently she had something going in her life. Not exactly about this movie. But she's working through those feelings through this movie. Yeah. Through the movie within the movie. So there's a lot of layers. And then in the last like 20 minutes or so. There's another layer on top of it. That makes you sort of reconsider everything that you've seen. Uh, and kind of really blurs the line between reality and fiction. Which I love. Uh, I still don't really know what I think about that last 20 minutes or so, which is why it's so low on my list. I think if I had more time to delve into it and um, sort of figure out where I land on it, it might end up being higher on my list in the future. But right now, it's at 8. That mm -hmm. movie also uh, free for streaming on Hulu right now. Um, I'll try to shout that out on my movies when I can. Most yeah. of my movies are either most movies on my list are either still playing in theaters or or maybe on rental. But if they're streaming for free, I will shout that out. So, so Bergman Allen on Hulu. Part of that's you really like it because the ambiguity that you mentioned earlier. You yeah, it, it's. I mean, I like I said, I, I love the movies that make me force me to think about them and what I like. Like so, like if I said to someone, "What do I like?" or you know, I like the Bergman Island. Oh, what do you like about it? Well, I still am kind of like working through all those thoughts about it, and that's why, like you know, rather than the Power of the Dog, where I'm just like, it's a perfect movie, you know. Yeah, I right. like those. Tend to like those movies a little bit more. Did either yeah. of you see Bergman Island? I did not. <laughs> okay. <Yeah. laughs> we'll get to movies that other people have seen eventually on my list. I, 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 which I think is fun because I think the, yeah, the no, movies no. that we can talk about, I actually put very high on my list. Okay. So. I, would, I would have never have heard this movie before if he didn't mention it. No, no, no. I, it, was, it was half a joke. But no, it's good that we get to learn about other movies this way yeah, yeah, than yeah, just yeah. being movies all the four of us have seen. For sure. Um, all right. My number eight. I, I don't know if we all saw this. I think we did. The last duel. I have it. Number eight. Mm -hmm. Nope. You didn't see that one? Nope. Okay. So, um, it's Ridley Scott, very good uh, period piece, um, based on a true story. Um, less ambiguous than I thought it was going to be going into it. Um, but basically, there's two friends, Adam Driver and Matt Damon. And Adam Driver rapes Matt Damon's wife. And Matt Damon wants justice for it, which leads to this duel. Uh, you see that from Matt Damon's point of view, then Adam Driver's point of view, then the wife's point of view. Um, and it's tense. It's not a good party movie. Uh, there's really you know, one of the more uncomfortable scenes I've ever seen of rape. Um, but... I really enjoyed the movie. I think part of the reason it's down here is because it just was there's not a ton of joy in it. Kind of like Power of the Dog, where it's a good. I think it's a good movie, but 
it's a tough one. <laughs> so um, it's not something you're revisiting. The no, the, the last fight, the la- their duel at the end of the movie, I like was holding my breath the whole time. I really liked that, especially because they. Well, I guess because, like I said, I thought it was going to be more ambiguous. So it's not a terrible spoiler. Like it just it it was rape. Like it just was rape. So by the end of the movie, you're really hoping that one person wins the duel and the other person loses the duel, but the movie's been so bleak the whole time that you're not sure what's going to happen. So I was tense. <laughs> so I really enjoyed it. It's at eight, uh, but I don't know if I'd go back to it. <laughs> yeah. I still don't really know what to think about that movie because like I said, and the theme of my list and all my lists is always, I prefer big ambiguity over everything, but I don't, you don't necessarily want ambiguity at the heart of a movie on where the, central question is did this woman get raped or was it consensual i guess um depending on which perspective you're looking at it from you know i you always want to side with the female in that sort of circumstance obviously but it just left it so one note to me and again i didn't really want to or felt the need to think about it afterwards and the viewing experience was so unpleasant that i would just say no what i liked about it's on it being straightforward and what happened was that when you see the when you see it from the point of view where the no she wanted it view it's still terribly uncomfortable and it just kind of puts you it like makes you realize i think what those people how their mindset is of like they see it almost the same way as we saw the real rape but they just justify it as like, oh, like she was just playfully saying no and stuff. And you're like, oh, this is horrifying. So yeah, it's an uncomfortable sure. movie, but I enjoyed it. No, so. for sure. Yeah. And I mean, it, it does happen. We need to examine it through art. I mean, I get it. Ben Affleck, terrific in the film. <laughs> yeah, that took me a minute. But <laughs> uh, what did you think of it? Yeah, I liked it. I mean, it's hard for me to like a movie where there's like three, there's like three different rape scenes in it. Yeah. Mm. But yeah, I mean, I liked it on the point of like we need to like evaluate the situation and he did it through art, which was yeah nice. Well, and you feel the frustration of the, like the, no one's taking the woman seriously. And even at yeah. the end, like it's not like Matt Damon, Matt Damon's defending her because it was his honor. Mm-hmm. Like they, by raping yeah. her, they insulted him. He doesn't care that she, exactly. she's no. messed up. Correct. It was just exactly. embarrassing for his wife to be raped. So I, yeah, I think it's a good movie. It's just it's uh, it's a it's a heavy one. So for sure, we'll get to the fun ones later. <laughs> <laughs> we just passed the fun one. Yeah, yeah that's true. It is what it is. Better fun ones. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, my number seven is a movie that uh, did not make my initial list that I posted because I had not seen it yet. Uh, is one of the two movies I saw after I made my list. It's called Parallel Mothers, which is uh, the latest film from Pedro Almodovar. If you listen to our film podcast of our 2019 rap his uh latest movie at that time painting glory was my number one that year um this movie um you know has penelope cruz in it so you know if that's the sort of thing that draws you to the theater you know so be it um there's i i I will not uh confirm nor deny if there's a lesbian sex scene in the movie but wink um it's basically about her getting pregnant uh by a man who is i guess he's a, he's a forensic archaeologist uh they are initially meet because her great grandfather i believe uh served in a spanish war 
and he his um, remains were buried by the opposition uh, that won the battle, and she wants them to be dug up so that they can be placed with their family. Uh, this sort of is like a current that kind of runs throughout the entire movie on you know the people that win battles tend to write history and tend to write it in a way that it didn't really happen and the sort of lengths we have to go through to dig up the past in order to examine you know the present and the future and so she meets this man uh he is married uh but they sort of uh enter this quick relationship that uh, results in her getting pregnant uh she's in her late 30s and wants to have a child she's allows him to not be involved with it whatsoever uh, she meets a very young uh, woman in the hospital that is also pregnant, and, but, you know, it, uh, the younger woman, the man has sort of just left her, and we sort of figure out what happens in that realm later in the film. She's played by Melina Smith, and her first performance that I can really discern, she was very good in it as well. Um, so these, they end up sort of having their babies at the same time, and you know, as the title of the film is, they are sort of parallel mothers. It sort of cuts back in between, uh, back and forth between their lives and how they are going about raising their children. Uh, then there's a, a big dramatic twist in the middle that I don't want to spoil, but it sort of flips the power dynamic and makes you sort of reconsider everything that you've seen from then on. And then hmm. uh, towards the end, we sort of get the closure and the wrap up of how the history and how, you know, it's, sort of about how lies can shape our perception of the truth and how all of that stuff sort of gets wrapped up in the end in a beautiful uh, final shot that sort of left my jaw on the floor. So Pedro Almodovar does it again. If you read most critics, they'll say this is mid-tier Almodovar and that it's just blah, whatever. I would say it's just another, you know, gentle masterpiece by this filmmaker. Quite the movie poster for it. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> it's a nipple... Framed as a crying eye, but dripping milk, I believe. Uh, that would that would make sense, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I, re I remember Pain and Glory. Um, I've never seen an Almodovar movie. Um, and I see this one has, um, it made every a ton of people's top ten list. Nobody put it at number one, which is interesting. Um, but it made a two, couple dozen top ten lists. So mm -hmm. uh, definitely one to keep in mind. Um my number seven, I had No Time to Die, and I had a really tough time ranking this movie because of how many things I enjoyed about it and how it just ultimately didn't quite hold up and wasn't a James good James Bond movie. Um, I love Daniel Craig. I'm a sucker for that. His scenes with Anna de Armas are amazing. They're in Cuba for 20 minutes or something like that. It's a great time. Um, the... The plot got hamstrung by COVID from everything I've read. They basically had a, a, a plot that was going to be a little too on the nose that they changed at the last second, and it causes the story to not make sense. And it sucks because I think there's a lot of good there that just doesn't quite come together in the end. And speaking of the end, it's it was a hot topic. You'll have to see it to understand. They handle it very different than most James Bond movies. Yeah, it's not the direction I thought they were going to try and no. go. But the ride there was great. I really like, they have a tense forest scene where they're being hunted in like a, a Scandinavian forest. They have a fun uh, fun 20 minutes in Cuba, as I reference. They have um, 
an action set piece in Italy or something like that to start the movie. Um, or no, I'm, am I thinking of Spectre? Now the movies are running together. No, 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 no. I think you're good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the you know, like I said, I'm a suckle for Daniel Craig. Rami Malek was being a very um, traditional Bond villain. Um, but I, I almost feel like that was kind of needed for everything else that was going on. You kind of needed something to ground it back into James Bond. Well, Bondy they've been going that way, bringing in M and Q and everybody like that. So it it made sense that it culminated in Rami Malek's character. Yeah. Um, it just didn't necessarily mesh with the way they culminated the movie because if you're going to do a traditional bond movie you don't end the movie like they did so but i I don't think they were necessarily going for their traditional bond movie i think they just felt like they kind of went off script enough that they wanted to bring it back to its roots in a couple ways I, I don't know. I, I also enjoyed the movie. Uh, just as a spoiler, it's it's not in my top five, but it was just outside. I you know I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, I do feel fairly similarly. I, you're right. Rami Malek wasn't like this big deep character, and he he kind of just monologues at you for portions. Well, of... and I think he had a good a cool villain plan in the first right of the script. And I think they just, a part of it's just that they kept stripping things away where he's supposed to have this biologic weapon. And next thing you know, it's like nanobots and nothing really makes sense, (laughs) but they just didn't want it to mirror COVID to this. I think he was going to have set COVID upon the world and Mm. then COVID happened and they were like, Oh shit. Like we have to change this. And it makes the movie more hollow. Um, but it's disappointing because there's so many parts I liked there. Um, I had it at four. I had it at 10. I really didn't know what to do with it. I put it right ahead of the last duel just because I would totally watch it again before I watched the last duel again. Yeah. But I don't know. Did you like? Um, I liked the the first two acts, but the third act that didn't. It I falls apart. S- yeah. Well, and that's where I just I don't want to hold it against it too much because yeah. I think if you literally all the things that fall apart in the third act, yeah. if you make it that it was a disease and not nanobots, I think it makes a ton more sense. Yeah. And that's where I'm just like, oh, crap. Like, maybe they should have had the balls to just put the movie out that they wanted to make. I get why they didn't, because it was supposed to come out, what, 10 months into the pandemic, I think. Yeah. It was supposed to come out in 2020, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. November, I think. Yeah, so I just, it leaves me up in the air of like, boy, I just wish I could have seen this other cut. But, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think that there's like many other cuts that there could have been in that movie. It's it's so long. It feels like two movies smushed, smushed together. And they had all these ideas, and they wanted to get Craig for another one, but he would only do one more. So they, instead of mm. making two different movies, they just tried to smush them together. Ooh, and I did. Um, from, sorry. And, and, and that's why I think that like all this, the, all the good stuff gets squandered by all the bad stuff, in my opinion. Mm. Like the mm. only two things I remember about that movie are Ana de Armas, who's great and legitimately one of my top five supporting actress performances of the year, and Remy Malek, who I might put as literally my single worst performance. <laughs> he was awful. In it. I did like the opening yeah. scene where he's hunting the. I forget the Bond girl's name, but he's hunting her as a little girl in the house. That was a good scene, yeah. too. Leah Seydoux? Is, yeah. That's yeah, the actress's yeah. name. I don't know. I don't remember his character way. name. But uh, And then they also, they play with the gender-bending, race-bending James Bond, which was, fun. I think that's the best way they're going to handle it, because I assume the next Bond will be a man, at the very least. God, I hope that the tell. Fingers across. Oh, Death <laughs> Patel. I'm not. The race doesn't matter to me. I I have a tough time picture having a girl as James Bond. Yeah. But I like that they pl- 
played with 007. Yeah. And at least they get to say, well, we did it. Now we're now we're going back. <laughs> so we someday, got a six. someday we'll get it, I'm, I think. Well, I, I think that dynamic played for some fun scenes, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It did. I just, I, the problem was I didn't like that actress. I don't. Lashana Lynch. Yeah, and I don't. What else is she in? Um, you asked me too quickly. That's I fine. can't think of anything off the top of my but head. I but I just, she played it too. I mean, maybe that was. Oh, she point. was in Captain Marvel. Oh, yeah, the, the, the pilot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just, she played it too adversarial. Like, it just. She just, I feel like they told her to act like a bitch. And, like, yeah. maybe that was the point, but, like, I don't want a 007 to, f- she was a good guy. Like, I don't want her to feel like I have to hate her, because she's, like, I don't know. I didn't enjoy it. I, I don't know. I got, I got something different out of it, but I, I kind of enjoyed the little ribbing and, like, yeah, the competition they, they had. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's true. Uh, okay, so my number six, we're down to number six, is right. Uh, my number six is Red Rocket by uh, Sean Baker. If we would have been doing these uh, top 10 reviews back in 2017 and 2015, his other two previous movies, The Florida Project and Tangerine, would have been on my list mm. those years as well. He's one of my favorite filmmakers. You talked um, about Florida Project after a podcast or something like that. Yeah, The Florida yeah. Project was my number one of that year. It's one. It's probably one of my top 10 in the decade, if not very close to it. I adore that movie. Now, this is the movie about Henry's penis? <laughs> so uh yeah so it, it is about a penis not necessarily um so this is about simon rex yes that's simon rex dirt nasty as some people know him from the scary movies and from mtv um it's sort of there's sort of a meta layer within that too it's sort of a career renaissance for him he's got he's he's not gotten enough oscar buzz to actually get nominated but he's won some critic circles awards for best for best male performance of the year and in this movie, it's also about his character sort of wanting a career renaissance for himself. Anyways, he's a um, he's a washed up porn star uh, who, in the first shot of the movie, you see everything you need to see. It's him with a grocery bag full of stuff on a Greyhound bus headed back to his hometown of Texas City with a black eye. Um, that sort of does a lot of character work in its own right. And so he goes back to Texas City to sort of try and get his life back together and see where he can go from here. Um, he is one of those people, you know, obviously the movie about toxic masculinity, um, it, he's one of those people that's sort of like a tornado that can, just can't help but fuck up every situation that he's in. Um, he goes home with seemingly good intentions, maybe, uh, tries to get back together with his ex-wife who's living with her mother, um, moves in with them, and can't really get a job because he has a 10-year gap in his resume when he was only doing porn. Um, so he starts to sell weed like he used to do in high school and, uh, goes to the local donut shop to celebrate when he can finally pay off, uh, their rent one month and meets a young woman played by Susanna Stone, uh, named Strawberry. She's, uh, it's, it's her first performance in a film. She's fantastic in it. Uh, Sean Baker, I guess, met her at a movie screening, uh, and just decided you're my next movie star. Uh, she's a big, she has a big Instagram presence. Um, but again, and another trigger warning, like in Licorice Pizza, uh, she's older, but she plays someone that's 17, and whether or not she's older, she's much younger than Simon Rex is in real life. So if that's another thing where you guys, where you don't like a lot of time distance between the relationship, that this one is a lot more explicitly sexual than the other one is. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, so she, he sort of sees this girl as a, um, I guess a way back into how he's going to revitalize his porn career because it seems to be all that he wants to do and just goes through 
and uses that crazy charm that an attractive man can have in a small town and just smiles at everyone and everyone listens to him and he has his unflappable confidence and he still ends up failing at every moment. Um, it's the, this sort of thing, I guess the, these people are called suitcase pimps. Um, these people that's, uh, that's, I mean, that's a, it's a real term, I guess. Um, Sean Baker went and found a bunch of them in, in and around Texas. Uh, these sort of like fringe adult entertainment people that sort of, uh, try to get famous through using women that they find and such. Uh, Sean Baker just loves to examine the margins of society the people that for better or for worse are sort of forgotten by the mainstream media, uh, giving a voice to the voiceless, whether or not they deserve it. Uh, and I thought that it was fascinating and it's just a crazy dramatic roller coaster ride throughout and has the best use of a pop song I've seen in a long time. Instincts Bye 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 is used throughout the film to perfect execution. <laughs> uh, that's my number six Red Rocket, great film. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I was looking up uh, Simon Rex because I knew... When you said scary movie, I knew who he was. Mm-hmm. Uh, weird career he's had. He Very was, started as a porn star, I was about to say international that. <laughs> model, then got into scary movie, then was a rapper. Now he's in a award-winning movie. So, yeah. <laughs> um, is this a biography? Uh, it's, I mean, it, you know, a, a lot of my movies that I like have auto-fictional details about them. So. <laughs> but yeah, and Simon Rex did make my ballot, my five ballot for best male performances of the year. It would not be my Oscar winner, but we'll get to that soon. Okay. So, if you want to see what something that the power of the dog was trying to do, but better, uh, you can go see Luca and have a much better time. <laughs> um, you'll <laughs> you'll have to see Power of the Dog because we didn't. I didn't touch on on that, but uh, yeah, Luca's number six for me. It was a Disney release, I believe, mm-hmm. right? And it's a uh, Pixar film, but yeah, Disney release. Oh, it's a Pixar movie. Okay, yeah. so Pixar release. Um, uh, it takes place in pre-1900 to 1950 Italy. It's tough to say when. It doesn't really matter. Um, so somewhere on the timeline of Italy. Yeah, yeah. Small, small coastal village, fishing village. And uh, right off the coast is this mermaid city. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but this young boy, just he gets the urge to go see what it's like up on the land. And so there's like, you can, some little mermaid parallels, but really nothing else besides that. Um, he goes up, he becomes good friends with two people and they want to win a bike race so that they can pay for a Vespa. Uh, that's their goal. They're 10. I don't know. (laughs) And there's this like 16 year old who lies about his age and he wins the bike race every year and he's a jerk. And, um, it's just a super straightforward movie with, as it goes along some uh what's i don't know suppressed sexual uh undertones to the movie and that, but it's something that it's there if you want to read into it and it's not there if you just want to watch a straightforward pixar movie i had a great time with it um i think it's it's so simple for a Pixar movie as opposed to what they've been doing lately. And I love the straightforwardness. The villain is just a dick and like, there's no sad backstory and it's not like there's actually a different villain. He's just this 16 year old kid <laughs> that bullies little kids and then tries to win a bike race. Yeah. And, he just, and, was, he, yeah, and like, it's 
I feel like they try to get, they've gotten so creative with what they try to do. And this one was straightforward and pleasant. And it was probably an hour and a half. I don't know. Not um, even that. Not it's, even it's the shortest Pixar film since the original Toy Story. Really? Okay. Really yeah. And there, I got, there's some good laughs. There's a really like good heartstring moment right at the end. Um, and I just enjoyed it. Like, and every, like some of the other people you think, oh, they're going to be a roadblock. Usually they're not. Everybody's helpful. There's some nice surprises. So yeah. I, I put Luke at six. It's just an enjoyable movie. Um, uh, yeah. I don't have a deep analysis of it. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, yeah. Like, it, it was cute. I cried. You know, that's, uh, that, that's yeah. about it. No, I, I, I love also that the, the quintessential way to prove yourself uh, to the I- Italy townsfolk is one swimming, two bike riding, and three also eating pasta. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, so it's it, I, it shouldn't say it's just a bike race; it's a triathlon. Yeah. Uh, so they have the three friends each handle a leg. There's swimming, there's pasta eating, and there's bike riding, um, and which is a fun set piece for the end of the movie. But there's also maybe the funniest part of the movie is that his Lucas parents come looking for him on land, um, and so basically, as soon as you leave, as soon as you get dry. You stop looking like a mermaid. If you get a drop of water on your skin, that part turns to scales. So they come to land, and they're just doing anything they can to get water on the children of the town to find who, which one is Luca. Um, <laughs> but it's funny. it's almost it's just ridiculous because they're just mercilessly hazing children around town, <laughs> just like throwing them into fountains and stuff, and nobody seems to care. Uh, so that was that was good. It's so. funny, yeah. It's very like classic Jacques Tati, but um. And, it, and it's a movie about acceptance, you know, as like a lot of these movies are just about how, you know, you should just have empathy for everyone, which is great. Did you guys like Luca? Oh, I, I yeah. very much enjoyed Luca. It would have been in a top 10 if I had gone all the way down to 10. Um, it's one of those movies that I, I don't know that it stuck with me as much as some Pixar films, but when I was watching it, I had a grin yeah. on my face and it was a good time. Well, and what I liked about it was very straightforward of it's about a merman hiding as a kid, but then like... It, it really comes in at the last second where you just think, okay, was there more to this? And then you look back at the movie and you're like, maybe there was. And it, the, the his friend on land's father has a, uh, an acceptance little arc. And then Luca, as a mermaid going to land, has an acceptance arc. Um, so whether or not you want to say it's, well, there's gay parts to it. Maybe, maybe not. Your kid, your kid will love it. And you might see something more. So, <laughs> can we use this as a springboard to talk about some other animated movies? I guess I don't know if they're going to come up or not. I we got one more going on. Not that one. But, uh, the, 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 the two that I want to get off the ch- uh, our chest right now, because I'm sure a lot of people have seen them because they've been free on Disney Plus for a while. Um, Brian the Last Dragon and mm-hmm. Encanto, uh, yeah. which are getting some buzz. Uh, I think all three of those movies are going to end up being nominated for the Best Animated Feature Oscar, which is Ooh, my proof. Disney boo. Well, yeah, which is my proof. <laughs> <laughs> that it is not a strong year while you guys like one movie a lot um but uh, do we want to talk about Encanto or Raya very much I didn't like either of them really can I be honest with you yeah when I had you can heard... be Mitchell oh thank you um <laughs> when I had heard that Encanto's music was topping billboards and setting records for Disney music mm-hmm. that kind of blew my mind because I thought that was the least enjoyable part of the film for me really I didn't I, I didn't was like one song I enjoyed I liked two songs. Uh, two, so that's fair. I like two. The one yeah. strong, strong. I like the strong one, one the best. Yeah. I like that. I don't like my, that one. I like that one. Really? That was my. I like. I thought that was better than Bruno. Exactly. Yeah. I thought that was better than Bruno. I didn't think Bruno was. Yeah, I see. I see the same articles, and I don't get it. Like it was catchy enough. Yeah, it wasn't bad. Like, it wasn't. It wasn't what I. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, well, you can just you can watch it and listen to it instantly these days. You know, whereas you know, even 10, 15 years ago. I mean, that certainly helps, but I feel like I heard uh, "Let It Go Everywhere." That is the one I'm genuinely surprised by. Everything else I can believe it chart topping. I'm genuinely surprised by the let it go thing. I like the movie Encanto better than Frozen, but Frozen has better music. I still have never seen either of the Frozen movies. I'll watch them. Frozen 2's music, I think, is even better than Frozen 1, and that might be a hot take, but... No, I don't think so. Unless you're like a 12-year-old girl, I think. I don't don't know. I've only talked to little children. Like, Sam's nieces watch it on loop, so that's my frame of reference. They only, they like one way more than two, so. Okay. I'd beat them up. I'm trying to to remember all the songs from two, but I I think I might agree with you. We'll do a, we'll do we'll listen to them later. Okay. Um, So, yeah, in Encanto, I liked Raya more than in. Kanto, I think. Okay. Well, my thing with Raya was it, I think it would have been better as a series because I was yeah. so invested in all the lands they went to and they, they turbo through all of them, but some get like completely written out. It, it, it was, yeah, it was I also agree. beautifully animated. Um, that was something I thought about the whole time. Um, but, and she like had really uh, badass is not the term I want to use, but like, I think for a Disney movie, like, there's a scene towards the end where she, you just she picks up a sword and like she's totally gonna r- kill somebody, and like that was cool. Like I felt it. Like, but then well no I take it back because I hated the ending of Raya. I don't remember a thing about either of them, and I just watched. It I take it back. It's Raya was so good up until the last second where they try to tell you that the, you should trust people, but the people they trust betray them over and over and over, literally ending the world <laughs> multiple times. So that didn't make any sense. And then she says, you're just like me. And I'm like, I'm like, Raya didn't end the world twice. You're not the same. I'm like, oh, I forgot. I hated Raya. <laughs> so, I liked where your mind was going on the series thing. Cause I, I feel like that ending was, well, we don't have any other way to end it. So it's, it's trust and friendship. Yeah. And Kanto's story seemed a lot more like relatable. Like, you might not have this amazing gift, but like you still might be special in your own way. Well, so I looked. I had Ray. I had Encanto at fifteen, and I actually had it Ray at twenty. Yeah. But I liked. There were. I think there were better seeds in Raya, but the movie ended worse. I guess. So. After watching Raya. Raya, Raya, whatever you, you were to. saying, Raya, and then you started saying Raya. I don't know. I don't know what. Happened I think I just assume one's right, but if I say them both, then I can't. Ryu, <laughs> he's hedging. Mm. No, it, it just made me want to watch something like, you know, Avatar: Last Airbender, something like that, where it, it does have that me of fully, a lot. fully fleshed out adventure, yeah. going to the different countries, bringing everyone together, kind of story. Yeah. It was, it was fine. Like it, it, it was, but I felt, I felt kind of empty at the end. Yeah, I th- Lugo was miles better than both of them, in my opinion. And then we still have one that I liked even more than that. Sure. But, yeah, as far as Disney just railroads Best Picture every year, and that pisses me off. So. Well, I mean, Pixar wins it a lot, but um, wins the best anime feature a lot, but I don't think that they're going to win it this year. I don't know. We'll see. I think I think Encanto, honestly, might be the front runner. We'll see, though. Um, so now, I think Sony's got a shot. So, so now, <laughs> I mean, they made the best movie, but I don't think that they'll win. But um, so we're to the top fives now, right? Mm-hmm. And we got Mitchell coming in, so are we going to throw him in first, or is he last? Uh, let's talk about this. Okay. All right, we decided to kick it to Mitchell, so we're going to have his number five slide in here. Uh, Mitchell, what do you got? 
Well, give me a second here, Ryan. Jesus, Lord. <laughs> don't know it. It's on. only five movies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's the Mitchells versus the Machines at number. Is that low? Well, there's some other good movies on this list That's that I'm going to get to later here. You but... didn't see it with us. It was sort of a raucous. <laughs> screen I feel like you need that with with comedies. You need, you need that really like helps. laughter to to go along with, and you really start start rolling. But honestly. It was such a fun movie. It was, uh, you know, I didn't put it on this list just because it had my name in it. Um, I, I did actually enjoy the film quite a bit. It, it's it's funny from start to finish. It had a lot of heart to it. Um, I, I really liked how deep they went into the family dynamic, too, and really kind of tugged on a couple things. And, and I don't know, it, it just was a very heartwarming, fun movie that I, I really enjoyed. As they say, we'll get to it later. Yeah, yeah. we'll get to it later. It was, I, I thought, other than Flea, the animated rotoscope documentary was the best animated movie of the year. It didn't make my list, but I liked it a lot, too. Yeah. Uh, AJ, what do you have at number five? Uh, so my number five is a film called Annette by Leos Carax. Uh, he made my favorite film of 2012, Holy Motors, uh, one of my favorite films of that decade as well. Um, this movie, I don't want to get too far into the plot, Um it's sort of, it, it's listed some places as a musical. I don't really count it as that. There's a lot of songs in it that are good, but it's not necessarily a musical. I don't know. You can think about it if you want to. It's more of a romantic drama. Uh, it's about this uh, central relationship between Adam Driver, uh, who plays a character named Henry McHenry in the film. Very funny. And uh, Marion Cotillard. Um, Adam Driver is this edgy comedian uh, who sort of, is so unfunny that it comes all the way around back to where people love him and laugh at his shows. Uh, there are several shows in the film, very bizarre comedy sets. Uh, this film is streaming for free on Amazon prime. If you want to just sort of get an encapsulation of this, just watch the first, uh, comedy set that it opens with that Adam driver's character does very bizarre. And, uh, Marion Cotillard is an opera singer. They, um, this film is very in touch with, um, social media and how that influences things. And, how PR firms want you to have a stronger standing in the so in social media, so their relationship becomes sort of public. Uh, they propose very quickly and be and get married and have a child. Uh, the shock comes when Marion Cotillard has that child, and it ends up being a wooden puppet that uh, <laughs> has little strings coming out of it, uh, named Annette, and she is a main character in the rest of the film. Um, I'm not really gonna go. Uh, go into where the movie goes from there because it just gets more bizarre and bizarre, bizarre and stranger as it goes on uh, until it ends in one of the most fascinating final 15 to 20 minute sequences that I saw all year and have seen in years, if not a decade. Um, it's almost impossible to forget this film. Uh, I saw it forever ago in the middle of the summer, basically by myself and at an art house theater. And I literally have thought about it if not every day, at least every week since I saw it, because it's so strange and bizarre. Um, go on, Mitchell. Oh, I, I feel like you just have a knack for finding these weird, like, puppet baby, lamb baby, uh, car baby movies, and I don't know how you do it. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, I just I just love movies, and I listen to a lot of podcasts. Whatever and a lot of articles, head is. And, yeah. yeah, yeah, and that's, you know, it, it's, it's one of those, um, you know, very strange things that people people haven't really thought to like make babies different. I don't think uh, there's not a whole lot of in the canon of uh, giving birth to strange things. I don't think so. But Men yeah, they, yeah. It at first. 
Yeah, I agree. <laughs> um, but yeah, L- Lamb was a good movie that did not make my list. Uh, the Carbivore movie that Mitchell referenced has not been named, but it is on my list. Um, but yeah, Annette's, so. cra- Annette's crazy. It's streaming for free on Amazon Prime. Uh, if you watch it, uh, either you're welcome or I'm sorry. I don't really know <laughs> what to tell you until I know what you think about it. But it's crazy. It's very good. I, I didn't mean to invoke uh, a movie coming. No, later. no, no. You're fine. It, it's it's literally come up next, so it's not like it's a big spoiler. But um, cool. and, and also, and this was the film that I mentioned. Adam Driver. This is his best performance by far. He should win the Oscar for this performance. It's uh, totally incredible. You liked him better here than Marriage 100%. Story. It's 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 one of the most beguiling and transfixing things I've ever seen. Huh. He's such an asshole. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, he's he was an asshole. Oh, he's a, oh, I'm he telling you, dude. asshole. I'm telling you, dude. You will Less never see, asshole. You will never see him <laughs> be an asshole better than in this movie. Unbelievable. <laughs> All right. Uh, so number five, I have Inside. Um, I we we decided to count it as a movie. Uh, would you have it on your list, Mitchell? I, I decided I to allow you guys to count it as a movie. I, I did mean, not. I did not put it. It, it would have been probably between my ten and twenty if I would have considered it a movie. But I so not. why do you not consider it a movie? Isn't it? Because it's not a movie. It's built as a special, special, but it plays out more as a movie. I feel yeah. like. Yeah. Uh, I feel like eventually it just kind of deteriorates into this. Like it's like you're exploring film. a psyche, basically. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But I, I know I get it. I, I highly yeah. recommend seeing Inside. It's on Netflix. It's Bo Burnham's um, COVID comedy special, and it has a number of skits, some longer than others, almost all of them catchy, but. You also watch it, and he's he he filmed himself the whole time making it, and you can see him struggle with the isolation and hit, and I think just depression. He kind of alludes to it, but he had taken a, a break from touring because he is having mental health problems, and then I think he went out and did a show right before COVID started. Maybe a couple like he started a new tour. COVID hit and he went back to having to be alone and he kind of addresses that like how much he needs an audience basically and like how that messes him up and it's really interesting watching it because you don't know what he's doing for the camera and what he's doing to just kind of be raw but it's an interesting framework of a very very funny um special movie whatever you want to call it so I put it number five I've watched it three or four times I think um. Same. Yeah, yeah it's just it's very it's good. I love all the songs. Oh, <laughs> some of the songs made my Spotify uh, rewind. Yeah. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and they're they're all over the place. There's you know, white woman Instagram, and I mean, my favorite one I think is this "fuck Jeff Bezos" song. <laughs> Jeff uh, Bezos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. It's very funny. I mean, Bill Burner is my favorite comedian of all time, so I I thought that that was very good. I've only watched it the once. I haven't really felt the need to go back to it. But you do have to be sort of in a, unless you're just like sort of superficially trying to skim the top and listen to the funny songs. It does delve into some deep psychological places if you go into that, that very last space. one where he's yes. like trapped out of the house. It's like oh my god! Like yeah. like you get the feeling, and like I said, I don't know what for the act and what's real. But like yeah. he literally it seems like he's gonna kill himself a couple times. Yeah, and... I'm. I would be fascinated to know how he shot it if he just literally like let cameras roll the whole time and caught authentic moments. Because yeah, it genuinely feels like he's having like disassociative episodes. Yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah. Well, and especially they do the one where he's. Um, doing a YouTube review of a song he just did, but then it keeps like going picture and picture, deeper and deeper, where he's commentating on himself further and further and further, and like it's hilarious, but it's also like 
by the time he's like four levels deep and he's just explaining his need for attention, you're like, oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> this is very so, good. I'm glad you guys have this on your list. I, I like. I would much rather talk about this than some of the other movies. That so, been list, yeah, so. I put that at five. It's on Netflix. Uh, you can, like I said, I said there's layers to it, so you can watch it sober, you can watch it high, you can watch it with friends, you can watch it by yourself. I've done all of them, so <laughs> it's good. And I, th- I think you can take a lot of different kinds of things from it too. Like he is clearly trying to push certain, certain things that he caught on camera, but you get a lot of kind of more heartfelty kind of moments. You get some very, very depressing moments. Like it's, there's a lot that goes into it and it's, it's, very raw and yeah. very interesting. I think I think it's raw. Apart. That's the thing is I yeah. I don't know, but whether or not it is, like if it's not, it's a it's a really well acted yeah. piece. Too. Brian does feel that way. There is yeah. one cringe point where he's like talking about suicide, and he's just like, just don't, just don't do it. That was a yeah, cringy it's part not, of it, but a little bit of a trigger warning. But you know, yeah, it's not yeah, too it's, bad. I it, it's it, it could feel out of place, but that's what makes it feel real to me. Is that I'm yeah. pretty confident he just had already thought about it, and he was like, "Not a good idea." And he's just that's him communicating it. Yeah, and, and it's it's all about the juxtaposition. All of that stuff is interspersed in between the funny songs. So it's like yeah. funny song goes a little bit deeper, back up to the funny song. It never dwells too long on the misery. With millions of hard cuts, which is pretty interesting. Yeah. So. <laughs> Very well edited. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and I also just was fascinated. Some of the montages are him writing and um, working on the technology of how he's going to film some other portion of it. And it's really fascinating to see because he just has all these uh, pedals and lights and he's, he's experimenting. And it really was a one-man show. It was impressive. So, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, Mitchell, what do you have at four? So I uh, I have a feeling this one will get brought up again, um, but Green Knight is my I number four. I also have Green Knight at number four. Wow, oh, there, you go. there you go. Up there. So. <laughs> uh, do you guys want to go on a little? Do you thing not or? have it, or is it not coming up again? It's coming up again. Oh, then well, just not I, at four. I mean, I'll I'll just say that I at the I, bottom. No. Oh, uh, oh yeah, no, 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 I meant, okay, no, because, like, I'd rather give it more time at whoever has it highest. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, you want to yeah. wait for when I bring it Yes. Okay, when you fine, yeah, When sure. you said no, I was like, oh, my God, you, I thought you liked it. <laughs> okay, so, yeah, me and Mitchell both have Green Knight at four. Yeah, um, I guess we'll talk we'll about circle back later, into yeah. it. Um, AJ, what do you have at four? Okay, sure, I guess, I, I don't know, I, I just need a moment to crack this Diet Coke that I had. <laughs> hey, I'm, on a, I'm on a, uh, yeah, DC. I'm on a, a three-week uh, sober streak. Uh, it'll end for the Supreme Bowl next Sunday. Who day? Shout Who out. Um, but it's, it seems as fitting to crack something for this movie as any movie, uh, which is Titan, uh, the <laughs> French Palme d'Or winning film. Uh, I'll just go briefly into the plot because, again, this is another crazy she one. She fucks a car. <laughs> all sorts of different ways. As all these people, everyone knows this movie, even though they don't know this movie, because since I saw it uh, by myself and on she has a Friday daddy night, issues. by myself on a Friday night, uh, after I found out that it won the Palm Door, and after I knew that she fucked a car in it, I was like, this is going to be sick, and I watched it by myself, and I vaped in the theater, and it was awesome. It was one of the best movie experiences I had all year. Um... But anyways, uh, it is, uh, um, the, the main character is Agatha Rousseau, who is a French model by all accounts, uh, and had never acted in a film before. Uh, she's fantastic in the movie. Uh, the, again, this entire movie is a trigger warning. Uh, it's really, it's, I mean, this, this is extreme cinema if you want to go towards that. The last movie, it's, this is who did Raw, right? Yes. So the last movie the director did is about a girl discovering cannibalism, so. Yeah, more or less, yes. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and I, well, I liked that movie. This is 
digging into deeper layers than that, uh, going for a little bit more than shock value, but there is a lot of shocking imagery in the film. So just be aware if you uh, plan to seek this one out. The very first scene, uh, uh, she is played by a smaller child, uh, and she gets in a bad car accident. She sort of uh, is distracting her father, and he sort of loses control of the wheel. They get in a bad car accident. She then goes to the hospital, gets her skull repaired with a titanium plate, and immediately sort of has some sort of sexual relation with any sort of machinery. She immediately goes out and starts licking the car window and starts making out with it. Uh, we then flash forward to the future where I don't know where these sort of parties happen, but I want to go to one. It seems that there's just a bunch of fancy cars in some garage somewhere. And she starts getting on top of it and twerking it and basically like humping it or whatever. Uh, and then later, like uh, as everyone has said, she has sex with the car and then becomes impregnated by said car. Uh, the the rest of the movie is sort of about her holding this car, you know, having this car baby inside of her while many other side plots happen, um, no less than, you know, random murders, um, her finding this older man who had lost his son earlier in his life, and she poses as said son um, to try and get some sort of fulfillment that way as well. Um, and then you sort of get to see the development of the car child as she is going through the process of having it. Uh, it's like I said, it's the, it's the single most bizarre thing I probably have seen this year. Uh, it was fascinating and the, whether or not you like this movie or what goes on in it or whether you have to watch it through the cracks in your fingers at certain <laughs> points, you will not forget that you watch this movie and especially you will not forget the things that happen at the end. I did not think that I could be surprised still at the end of this movie. And I still was, I literally had to pick my job off the floor in order to walk out of the theater. So fantastic film, Teton. I recommend everybody watch it. It it also said I'm, f I'm fairly familiar because it did get a lot of recognition. But I mean, it segues from her brutally murdering people into being like a like a father son father daughter like I don't know if heartwarming is the term, but it like <laughs> changes gears completely, right? Like, well, yeah, not, like, for lack yeah. of a better term, she has she murders people. She has sex with a car. Then it's like a family drama, and then it. Because it goes, oh yeah, she did have sex of a car. We're going back to that here. And, <laughs> yeah, uh, well, I mean, she's pregnant the whole time, and she—it's yeah. and amazing because she has to constantly shield her pregnancy, like her pregnant belly, and constantly be hiding yeah. that. So, and he also is having issues. You know, he like he has this fascination with getting like steroid shots, I think, in his ass or something like that. I can't remember. I did hear this was actually the first script treatment for Mulan. Yeah. Um, and then they went their separate uh, ways. Is this the backstory of Transformers? Is this how Transformers? Yeah, that's how they, that's maybe, the, they do know. change it every time they have a new Transformers movie, so maybe yeah, this yeah. is the, yeah. the next one. Uh, we do have a Michael Bay movie coming out in 2022. So. <laughs> we do. Maybe how lucky. <laughs> Honestly... I, I hope it's I hope it's good. It seems like an interesting <laughs> an interesting thing. Why would what what's the hope for? <laughs> Cuz I want to see explosions. <laughs> yeah, people are going to see it. it's going to make money. Oh, there is an explosion or not. Um Mitchell, what do you have at number 3? Well, what I have at number 3 is Spider-Man No Way Home. Wow, okay. Yeah, I have it all the way up here. Um I just like Spider-Man. I I don't know how else to put this. <laughs> That's a very summary. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not gonna get too deep into it. I, I think Ryan put it pretty well. Like it's, it's a, it's very much a nostalgia trip movie. It plays on a lot of a lot of notes from the other Spider-Man movies. And if you've if you haven't seen a lot of those movies, it's probably not gonna be all that great. 
but you get little pieces from each of the, the Spider-Man movies that come before. You get a lot of cool moments that characters get to, to grow from that didn't get to have those character moments before. And I think it made for a very satisfying movie as someone who has spent time watching those movies over the years. So is it a flawless masterpiece? No, but it was very satisfying as a Spider-Man fan. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, you don't even necessarily have to have seen the other movies. I don't think like I haven't seen the Garfield ones and I thought that he was the best part of it. Oh yeah. I think that was everybody's takeaway is this is a lot of people think he's the best Spider-Man and the movies were still trash. But the very first Spider-Man, I like. Tobey Maguire. Tobey Maguire. Yeah. I, I, the second. So basically, what they said was that he was a good Peter Parker, but he's not a good Spider-Man. Okay. And then that meant, that now, some people would say that um, Andrew Garfield is better, better Spider-Man, but not a great um, Peter Parker. And then you'll get Tom Holland, who I think mixes it up pretty good. I still think he comes across more of as a Spider-Man because, like, Toby nailed the dork, right? Yeah. yeah. And then, but. Part of it's that he gets his confidence when he puts on the suit. And Andrew Garfield had that in spades. And Tom Holland does to some aspects. I think part of him being that where he's a good combo is that they they try to write him as a nerd. Like, yeah. even if Tom Holland doesn't look that way, I guess. I think that's the other thing is Tobey Maguire, I know he was part of the Brat Pack and whatnot, but like Andrew Garfield's just way better looking than him. So I think it helps sell <laughs> Tobey Maguire yeah. as a doofus. Yeah. Uh, but I just thought like Spider Man 2 was like a with like Dr. Ock yeah. and all that. This is great. I like all three. It's, I think three got more hate than it deserved, but um, I'm with it. that's part of what made this so special was coming full circle from mm-hmm. seeing, I think I saw Spider-Man 1 in theaters in 2001 or whatever that was, 2002, I think. Something along those lines. Yeah. Two was uh, in... Or maybe it was 2003? No, because... No, because he's got the American flat. He's at the top of the building. I think it was 020406, right? So 02 was the first one? Okay. But, like, I saw those as a very little kid, and 20 years later, coming back to it, it's Mm -hmm. delightful. I know, yeah. Um, So... Especially when they... I mean, this is a little bit of a... I I won't go into the spoiler, but there's there's a moment that happens. You're like, wait, is it? Is it actually? Mm. And you, you finally get some of that. I, I wish it wasn't spoiled for me before the movie, because I, you could tell some of the people in the theater were like, oh my god. Yeah. Well, and what, I mean, they got a really early one that AJ complained about, but Matt Murdock shows up, which, oh, yeah. they yeah, didn't, no, what what they fucked up by that was that they didn't, I don't think they ever called him Matt Murdock, because if they call him Matt Murdock, then everybody who likes comics knows who it is. But when they don't call him by name... Then it's just like, oh, did you see the Netflix show Daredevil? That being said, I was hyped. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Y'all were loving it. But um, like, yeah. see, but the, even if they said Matt Murdock, you wouldn't have, you would, it wouldn't have made sense to you. No, but I mean, all the nerds were streaking around me. Maybe knew that I was missing on something. <laughs> yeah, but, but they, they they do that in all the movies all the time, or in the Marvel movies all the yeah, time. But I've seen the movies. I mean, I understand yeah. having to see the movies. Yeah. I don't understand yeah. having to see that. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, Academy, listen to me. I mean, nominate this stupid movie for Best Picture so people will actually watch the Oscars and so that they'll actually perpetuate, you know, as someone that cares about the Oscars, that they can survive, you know, with, you know, your viewership is declining. Put the movie that everybody's freaking seen, whether it's good or not, it's a Best Picture nominee. That's how you get Green Book and Black Panther, so. Well, I mean, I love Black Panther. I would have have been ecstatic if Black Panther won. But also Green Book, no, no one saw that movie. (laughs) Well, but it was baiting. I guess would be the no. That's, <laughs> that's yeah. No, I'm 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 not saying bait with Oscar bait. I'm saying bait with movies that people see. You know, oh, like okay. I can nominate that because everyone's seen it and everyone will tune in to see if it wins. And it won't, but nominate it so people will watch and see. Sure. Um, yeah. Do you guys want to take a second to like talk? Because I think this is the last Marvel movie that's going to pop up on here. Yeah. Well, I just have one more Spider-Man No Way Home oh, comment oh, yeah, yeah. before we get into that. Um, all I got to say is there's a character that does something very important to that movie that does it with seemingly no practice whatsoever. And I've seen it take entire movies for people to learn how Uh to do that person, the thing that that person does almost instantly. As like the single most talented of those people to... Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, like, like, like canonically the smartest person involved in these movies took like at least a movie, if not two movies to figure out how to do that. I actually didn't have that complaint in the movie. Um, which is interesting now that I think about it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a it's a plot device. It's it's lazy. I forgive it because there's so much other weird stuff that happens throughout the film. But I definitely understand where, yeah, where that would give some people some frustration. Yeah, I was frustrated. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So so I guess I guess yeah. This is canonically our last. But Marvel him movie. not being a master of it does involve back into the plot. Like there's also an issue that. He can start it, but he can't finish it, and that becomes an issue. Sure, so at least yeah. he like well, that's not how it was done the first time. Um, yeah. It, yeah. Anyways, just yeah. the, the, that that whole movie is about rewriting history and people not caring about what things have been <laughs> bad. And, yeah. Now they can make everything good again. I hate it. Whatever. Um, so yeah. So this, that's the last mention of a Marvel movie. If anybody wants to talk about, or I guess no, no, that's not true. Do you have another Marvel movie on your list, or is that your Saint highest one? Cheese. I, I'm I still surprised actually. that Saint Chi. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah, Saint Chi like, was my favorite. I like Saint Chi more than No Way Home. Saint Chi was another one that would have made my top ten. That was a that was a good solid movie. The reason it didn't end up on this this list is because I actually I felt like I connected with a lot of these other movies on this list a bit more. Yeah. Um, but it's it's a really like. As far as Marvel movies go, it's a it's a really solid entry, and I think it sets up a, a fascinating character. Yeah, and I think that pretty much by everyone's account, it was a slow, if not middling or bad, Marvel movie year. You know, a lot of people think that the TV shows are better. I think that you guys are both on that sort of end of the spectrum. Um, well, I think you kind of agree with at least a moment from a TV show. Yeah, I think the last... Like, if I could put the last episode of Loki <laughs> on, like, some sort of list, I don't know. It probably would have made something. I liked it a lot. I watched it many times, but... Um, I'm, I'm very excited for, you know, that person to be involved in the MCU, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, I thought the Shang-Chi was the best of them. I thought that the ending of the movie kind of brought it down for me. Um, yeah. but, but I, I, I liked the rest of it a lot. And like, I think that it, you know, by the fifth time that I watched the sad robots movie that I'll think it's awesome. I just, <laughs> I just haven't got there yet. You know, that's, that's the Eternals. If you guys don't know what that is. Um, and Black <laughs> Widow was totally garbage. Sorry. I feel like Eternals could be probably similar to like a Captain America where I'm like on first watch eh then I care about the characters and then I, I'm like oh this is kind of fun seeing where they come from yeah I think it's I think I'm gonna it like, might not get a sequel 
in some maybe, sort of like not. demented future when I'm doing like Marvel double bills of like weird movies, <laughs> like I, I think that that'll be the one I watch after uh, Age of Ultron. And then maybe <laughs> if I watch those movies like 20 times, I'll realize they're good. I don't know. <laughs> I, I have them all grouped up. I have Shang-Chi and then I have Rhea and then I have Eternals Black Widow mid, mid bottom of the list. I think Shang-Chi is at 19 Eternals 21 Black Widow 22. Um, I can't wait to see Rhea in the, uh, universe i think he's going to be really fast <laughs> um but i i i think what shang chi had going against it compared to spider-man was that i liked the first two-thirds of it or so and then it really fell apart versus spider-man the first two-thirds make the last third worth it um and that's where i rank them differently but um yeah i don't have it the kung fu is sweet especially seeing yeah. like the crouching tiger that first i don't know if it's the first fight scene but where his father and mother are fighting in the forest mm-hmm. like that's a, that's a sweet scene yeah, totally yeah, um and then um oh, yeah. the, just just the, the the bus fight and the the fight at the club and whatnot those, those are fun fight scenes and then it just devolves so bad by the end it reminded me of black panther honestly where it it just turns to nothing right at the last second basically I don't, okay but uh um, did you guys like did you guys want to talk about the tv shows at all i don't know no, I don't know that this is the place for it. I okay. mean, I like I mentioned before we started that I think it was a strong year for Marvel TV, which is tough because they went a different direction from what the Netflix shows were to what Disney Plus is. Yeah. Um, but you know, Loki got some. Everybody has their own take. What do they do? You like Loki? Do you like Wandavision? Um, I don't think I saw anybody say Falcon and Winter Soldier. Was <laughs> <laughs> I barely went to an episode. Of that. that shit sucks. But no, I will say that U.S. Agent um, Wyatt. Wyatt Russell, right? Uh-huh. He was sweet in that. I yeah, loved he's him. Good in everything. Um, he, I mean, puts on Captain America gear and brutally murders somebody. Um, and I was like, oh, that was a jaw on the floor moment when he's cutting someone's head off with Cap's shield. Like, that's metal. <laughs> yeah, I, that, I wonder where that guy learned how to act. I don't know. Yeah, I don't really know if he's related to anyone or not. But <laughs> um, so, and then I liked What If. Um, a lot and did then did you see Hawkeye did anybody see Hawkeye I, I, I loved Hawkeye uh, you would Hawkeye. like you. Yeah. there's two episodes where you get um, uh, shit who's Black Widow's sister Florence, Florence Pugh, Pugh and you get um, Haley Steinfeld together and they're so much fun did that kiss? If, you, if you would have watched no Daredevil you would get, you would have got some uh, yeah, there's some tension though AJ some <laughs> kingpin in there I like well, kissing yeah. <laughs> um, yeah and they do they, they tie back into Daredevil with that one too I liked Hawkeye a lot it's just different because it was it's shot as a Christmas thing. Like Hawkeye has a week to get home for Christmas and it's just so much more lighthearted than the Marvel. The Marvel shows weren't heavy necessarily Falcon and the Winter Soldier kind of, but they were serious and you know, the Marvel movies this year were kind of serious and um, Hawkeye was just, uh, it was so lighthearted. Didn't, you wouldn't know it was connected to the MCU necessarily unless you really watch it because it's just, a bunch of street thugs called the uh, what were they called with their outfits? Oh, the tracksuit. Yeah, the tracksuit track mafia yeah. <laughs> are, are trying to kill Haley Steinfeld for fucking up their plans or whatever. Like it's just goofy. It was fun. So. It sounds like an underground punk group or something like that. It, yeah. Well, it's a bunch of Russian mobsters, and they all wear the Adidas jumpsuits. So they just go. They're the tracksuit mafia. The tracksuit mafia. And like by the end, like. Hawkeye's explaining how he has like 74 different arrows that he can use at any time. Like, it's just hilarious. Like, they, (laughs) yeah. So, I liked Hawkeye a lot. It's just different. I I liked Hawkeye. I actually really liked Loki, though. And I, 
there were episodes of WandaVision. I didn't I didn't love the whole thing as as its own full entity, but there were episodes of WandaVision yeah. that I think really stuck with me as well. I just hate they that people really hated did. the first two episodes of WandaVision because those are my favorite. Those are the best two episodes of my. Yeah. It's the only two good episodes of my. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like when there was still some mystery, but then they just kind of said, "Well, here's what's happening," and then it kind of fell apart for me. Like, think the ending of the mystery. second episode is sick. I was like, "Dude, this is awesome." The, is that where the radio is? Um, that it, I mean, you see the beekeeping guy or whatever. Oh, he comes out of the sewer. Yeah, yeah. I was yeah. like, dude, this is fucking awesome. Who's, yeah, who's the, the bad witch? Who, who's the actress that? Agatha. Up? Oh, uh, Shin Han. She, yeah. play, yeah. she plays like a great nosy neighbor, but when she comes to like become like the villain, the witch, that's when it, I lost it. Well, like, so what yeah. I'm interested in like in the comics, she's not a bad guy, really. So I'm interested yeah. to see what they do with her. But also, also, Catherine Han's just great. So <laughs> it was it was funny. Even when she's like Breaking Bad, I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> she's very good. She's very talented. Um, so that brings that's my number. Th- we, that was, we're, we were going off of Mitchell's four, four, four yeah, so we're to Mitchell's three. I that did was my three, his number so three. It's was AJ's no three. Sorry, I got us off track. It's AJ's three now. AJ's three. Got okay, it. so all you nerds listening to this, be like, AJ just put a bunch of art house BS, and no one's <laughs> seen. Like, no one can even really prove that any of these movies are real. No one's really seen them. I, I'm, you know, fair enough. Fair enough. I, I hear your criticism. So I'll put one for the populist people. I'll put a movie that people have seen on this recently released on HBO Max. The fucking Matrix Resurrections is my number three. This movie <laughs> kicks ass. If you don't like this movie, you suck. Um, uh, I, I, I love the Wachowskis. I love every single movie they've ever made, even Jupiter Ascending. I know. I still love it. Um, and I, I just, I kind of just want to open up the floor and see what everyone else thinks about it and have, you know, field any sort of grievances that anybody has to the movie because I basically think that it's perfect and I think that everything that you might think is wrong about it is intentionally wrong because they want they want to make a fun movie because they had to because Warner Brothers forced their hand and but they also want to make you eat it at the same time which I thought was amazing so I so I did ultimately see thirty four movies because I had to. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that was a movie. No, 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 that was in there. I had it. It's at twenty four out of thirty four, okay. and it's just I get what you're saying, and I agree that they were in on it. But the best part is that opening third act where they're just being meta as fuck and messing around with you. But when they actually make it a Matrix movie, like the action sucks, and it's, pointedly yes. <sighs> Not point. I don't know if it's yeah. pointedly. They spent so much money on that movie. Like, well, it's... yeah, yeah, but yeah. All the money that Warner Brothers gave them that they didn't need or ask for, they were just like, "We're gonna make this movie. We have this budget for it. Use it. Whatever. Sure." <sighs> it's Throw just it at the wall. It's just tough to say that all of it was trash on purpose. Like, I get that the meta. I don't stuff think was much on... of it is trash at all. I just think it's just some of the action sequences. Well, and well, but that's that's part of the big issue with it. Um, and then also like. I don't know. I don't like what they did with Trinity, but oh yeah, I love that. Um, yeah, <laughs> I mean, the, the, the first hour is some of the best movie making I saw all year. <laughs> I like the first hour. Incredible meta layers um, where, and I guess if, if you haven't seen this, you definitely should see it. If you're not a fan of the Matrix films, the first, the original Matrix is one of the best movies ever made. We saw it in Dolby uh, on its 20 year anniversary. That was a phenomenal screening experience, and the other sequels are also great. Uh, and while they're all great, this is the second best one by far. Um, if you need a little way into it, uh, the sort of way into this movie is that uh, Thomas Anderson, uh, Keanu Reeves' character, 
rather than being the Neo that we know him, is a regular guy in the real world. He's sort of uh, haunted by these dreams of what his therapist has told him. is just a dream of this place called The Matrix. His way of exercising his demons is by making a video game of it <laughs> called The Matrix, uh, a, a trilogy of video games. And his boss, Jonathan Groff, Invites him into his office one day, says that Warner Brothers film checked, or uh, sorry, name checked in the film that they produced and funded, uh, is forcing him to make a fourth entry into the franchise, whether or not he wants to be a part of it. So then he sort of. They'll do it without you. Yeah. So he goes <laughs> into, um, you know, try and figure out what is and is not real. And then we sort of get all these other side characters that I love and that are fun. Fucking Sabebe's the shit um <laughs> just everything about this movie fucking kicks ass it rules i loved it yeah i didn't realize that jonathan groff i didn't realize who he was so i looked him up yeah. but like he he's in frozen uh he's in hamilton he and stuff. Hamilton, like yeah. he seemed like such a douche bro in the movie and i was like oh this guy's like famous yeah no i uh i also very much enjoyed it um this is in my top 10 again mm-hmm. um but it, it it did just miss because I still didn't really know what to think when I came out of the theater. Hmm. Um, came off with the couch. Well, you, you know, yeah, you yeah. know what I meant. Um, but it was it was a movie that I think invoked a lot of cool ideas and did a lot of really interesting things. I just, I just never knew where I should be looking. I guess is is the the best way to put it. And I'd like to rewatch it and kind of see how I feel after a rewatch. Yeah, when we watched it together, that was the second time I saw it. Okay, okay. Yeah, and I ranked it. AJ said it's the second best. I think it's the worst. I put it one, three, two, four, I believe. Um, But Mm. it's not a... Mine's in order. One, two, three, four. Yeah. I I love all the Matrix movies. Yeah. This was like, I liked it, but... I didn't hate it. Like, like again, it's it's above the Clifford line. Yeah. This is definitely above three for me, because I, I feel like it focuses on some of those cool Matrixy things still. You I feel to... like Keanu is very Keanu in this movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so like, he's, he's like, how do I know you? Like... <laughs> yeah, Neil Patrick Harris gives an incredible performance. Yeah. Uh, everyone, I mean, th- th- seeing my guy, the fucking, um, oh shit, I said it too now. Yeah, I know, but what's his actual name? The Merovingian. The Merovingian in there, just in his fucking monologue about how <laughs> just like they've killed art and like everything, like foods used to taste better and like music used to sound better. I was like, yes. I was in the theater just like fucking pumping up this whole time. Uh, and that's funny that you uh, say it on the Clifford line because those two movies are almost at the exact opposite points in my list. I didn't like Neil, Neil Patrick Harrison. I wish they would have picked a different actor for the, the character he plays. But um, I'll see if I can trigger you with. I have Matrix. Uh, what is this one? Resurrections. Mm-hmm. In between the Snyder Cut and the Tomorrow War. <laughs> okay, I mean, I mean, I mean, Tomorrow War kicks ass. I mean, I like that movie. Um, and the Snyder Cut is interesting. It's interesting. You know, the black the and white. One? I mean, that's the one I watched. I haven't seen the color one. I'm not watching the color. One, so. <laughs> not that it's a color thing. Um, Resurrection wasn't a bad movie. It just, just the middle part of it was so bland to me. I don't. Yeah, 
I loved. I really, really liked the first hour, and it just it didn't keep up with that for me. But I, I, I really do like the oh no, you you made this game. This isn't real kind when of stuff. You, that, that, so as I as the viewer, the when I'm questioning yeah. what layer are we in, it was kind of an Inception thing, like. Sure. In real life, are we in the Matrix? Are we in like a Matrix version of the Matrix? Like, what's going on here? And I liked that. But yeah, yeah, so good. So, did they have to resave him from the Matrix? Oh, don't ask the questions about that. It made no <laughs> sense why they rescued him, and it yeah. made no like. <laughs> don't think about it too hard. Yeah, really it's great. Watch yeah. it. It's good. Um, so my number three, we get to an interesting point here where my top three could flop order at any time. This was my favorite theater experience of the year, but I have it as my number three movie. It's Dune. Um, and seeing it in Dolby was just wild. It it was a perfect theater movie. The sound design, the, the, the set pieces. I loved the scale that um, they brought to everything. When you see a, sh- a, a spaceship above a planet or a city from above or something like, or the, the, the worms appearing, like everything was so perfectly shot of, uh, it looks so good on a big screen. And then the, the sound design of feeling the, the, the rumbles or whatever it may be, was amazing in theaters. Um, it really, it really immersed you in. Yeah. Yeah. And it made me, I bought the book it's sitting down there. It's not complete, but, uh, <laughs> Uh, I, I really liked the story. I wasn't familiar with it. I hadn't seen David Fincher's Dune. Um, David Lynch. I haven't, or, or that one either. Yeah, I hadn't seen David Lynch's Dune. I hadn't seen the... Sequel uh, to Zodiac. What was the, 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 uh, the made-for-TV one I hadn't seen the either. S- sci-fi, I think, had like a series and went into the other books and everything too. Yeah, yeah, well, apparently it's much more accurate than Lynch's version. It's just not as weird. <laughs> not surprising. Uh, um... <laughs> But I, I, I really enjoyed it. I was uh, enraptured by the story that they told. I think, you know, one of the main complaints is that it cuts off really awkwardly, and I understand that. But it's I assume it's tough to find a place to cut it off. Lord of the Rings had such... Na- I mean, J.R.R. Tolkien wrote three books. So you have you have natural concluding points. Dune, or this, this Dune book is one book, and you can't make a movie out of the whole thing. David Lynch tried to questionable success. Well, and there was another director that tried to make like a 10 hour long film. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. That one never came out. Um, so, you know, as far as what they completed here, I get that the ending doesn't, isn't great. I'm thinking it'll be great once we get the back half of it. Um, but as far as just a theater going movie experience, that was my favorite of the year was watching Dune in Dolby. So. I think, is it going to come up again? Uh, it might come. Yeah. So all right. So I'm done. Uh, I thought it was going to come. I'll, I'll save my thoughts for that. Okay. All right. We'll go on to number two then, Mitchell. Okay. Number two is Inside. We've we've talked about it already. Okay. Sorry. No, no, no. It's it's all it's all good. We had to talk about it somewhere. It's a phenomenal look at the isolation that this whole pandemic has caused. It was such a. I mean, it seemed very raw. What we got was such a gut-wrenching yet funny yet just it made me think it made me really sad it made me very happy in in points it just got all sorts of emotions to come out of me and i think that's why it has really resonated and stuck with me throughout the year um it's one of the few movies that when we were going through the list of 2021 i was like what, what was even in 2021 
this fits so well in the year of 2021 that mm. I immediately knew, okay, if AJ's going to let me put this as a movie, <laughs> I'm going to put this on my list. Um, so it's it's something that's resonated with me to a, an extent that, like I, I mentioned in, in when Ryan brought it up, uh, it's still in my Spotify uh, wrap-up for the year of 2021. Mm. It, it's It just is a piece of art that I, I really, really enjoyed. Yeah. And I liked it and that's why I allowed it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but also, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I mean, we already talked about it. You should have probably mentioned when Ryan brought it up so we could have waited for you to talk about it, to bring it up so high on your list. But, um, you know, it, it also pointedly never says the word COVID or pandemic. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not necessarily for this time, but I mean, obviously everyone that lived it's through this time will be able time. to equate it to that experience. But even people, you know, uh, that, live through older times where they felt isolated like that at any time you ever feel isolated you can relate to that movie it's it's yeah. about his isolation it just happens to be that it's set during covid exactly yeah. mm-hmm. so yeah brilliant. love that um aj what do you have at number two so my number two and i really thought about putting this movie at number one it was a number one for a long time on my list until i recently rewatched something that i flipped over it because i thought about it a little bit more but i really wanted to put it at my at my number one spot because I was hoping that maybe for the first time we could all have either a sequel or some sort of franchise involvement in our number ones. <laughs> Cause that's normally not my thing. Interesting. But my, number, my number two is uh, the fil- uh, film called the souvenir part two, uh, which oh. is the rare indie movie that sort of gets a second in- uh, installation uh, and it will not have a third. So it will stop at two, but it is a direct sequel. Uh, these are the uh, two films made by Joanna Hogg. Uh, a direct sequel to her film called The Souvenir from two years ago that I saw and more uh, admired from afar than was uh, really liked. And I was totally entranced by this movie. Again, another theme of meta layers in this movie. The original Souvenir movie is Joanna Hogg, the director, making a movie about a character going through her life, being a film student, and um, getting involved with a man called Anthony. Uh, and they sort of, their relationship grows and blossoms and she sort of figures out that he's a total piece of shit and a drug addict at the end. And the movie culminates with him ODing on heroin. And so this movie is about her making a movie about her life as her graduate thesis. And it's also about the director making a movie about that and yada, yada, yada. Hmm. Um, and so we get to see the process she goes through in making the film and making hard choices and talking with actors that she's cast in the movie about how she would have done it. And it's about, you know, and everything that the main character, Honor Swinton Byrne, who is the daughter of Tilda Swinton, phenomenal performance. Tilda's also in the movie and also gives an incredible performance. Um, There's just so many layers on what Joanna must have had to say to Honor, who must have had to say to that person acting in that scene. And I love how she makes the movie and I listened to an interview about it and that everyone had the script that Joanna Hogg wrote except for Honor Swinton the main character. So she never was fed any lines of dialogue and sort of had to just be in the moment and live. Uh, and you can really feel that on screen. It really feels like it's very lived in. It really feels real, what you're seeing. And then when we get to the screening at the end of the movie we get to see parts of the movie that she's made and it's not at all like what we saw play out in the rest of the movie. And it has a beautiful bookend that ties back into the first sequence of the first movie. Richard Ayoade, another uh, director is in it and he gives a phenomenal performance sort of in juxtaposition with her. He's also a film student, but he's sort of the bossy power hungry 
you know, likes to throw his script on the ground and storm out of uh, rooms. And he says the best line of the year, in my opinion, and uh, sort of the thing that has sort of encapsulated it all. Um, she's about to go into the screening of her movie. She's feeling a little bit nervous. Uh, she runs into him in the alley and he she's, she goes, you know, how are you? He goes, I'm middling. And then she goes, I'm middling too. Uh, and then he goes, so they're about to screen your movie in there. Uh, and then she goes, yeah, I'm a, a little nervous, but I'm proud of what I made. And then he just looks into her eyes for a second and just goes, did you resist the temptation to be obvious? Which I thought was fantastic. Um, <laughs> I love the souvenir part too. Uh, it's made me reconsider the first movie. Hmm. It's fantastic. Uh, you can't see the one without the other in sort of a diet. Uh, when we were talking about No Way Home, you can sort of enjoy the movie on its own merits without having seen the previous films. If you have not seen the souvenir, do not watch the souvenir part two. It will make no sense. You will get no value from it. Watch the two of them together. They're sort of a tough pair to watch, but I think it's a very enriching experience. Very interesting. Uh, yeah. I hadn't heard of it. Um, so I do not have anything to contribute. Uh, Tilda Swinton's hit or miss for me. I'm still trying to find my favorite performance of hers. <laughs> you didn't see the French Dispatch? I'm assuming you guys. No, I haven't seen it yet. She's in that, and she's incredible. Yeah, like, in that. I do want to see. It. He's got another one coming out this year, which I wasn't. Yeah, well, the French Dispatch was, was supposed to. Well, yeah, yeah, premiered at uh, Cannes in 2019. So yeah, that's Wine, true. The Witch and the Wardrobe. I was about to say Narnia. For Narnia. she was in Doctor Strange, and she was in um, what's the zombie movie I hated? Uh, 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 I can't. It's a lot of L's. There's a lot of um, that Jim Jarmusch movie. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, let the dead die or something like that. The dead don't die. The dead don't die. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah. Tilda. Uh, Tilda just seems in. She seems to show up in movies where I feel like they're just up their own ass, but. Like Narnia. I've not seen any <laughs> of them, so. Yeah, she might be my favorite living actress. Well, and they talked about that in film Spanish. She's got six movies coming out this year, I think. She's she really? Yeah. Unreal. So, so good. So my number two, um, as I had mentioned, number three was my favorite theater experience. Number two might, might might have been my most enjoyable experience this year, but it's the Mitchells versus the Machines. I got number two. I said it was coming up later. Um, we watched this after a night of debauchery. I forget what we were doing. Uh, but we, we, we were at Jungle Gyms. We were just like, oh, we did right? Pine Night and then yeah. we came back. Yeah, we, 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 okay. yeah we, well, it's still debauchery. It was probably like a. <laughs> so, yeah. um, <clears throat> excuse me. It was an um, animated movie uh, put out by Sony. It's the guys who did Into the Spider Verse, guys who did uh, Lego Movie, 21 du Jump Street, 22 Jump Street. So, strong comedic background. Um, they're doing their, you know, another animated movie and it came out under the radar. I think it was in spring of 2021. Um, and just got buzz basically, but um, it's about a family that they're the last unenslaved humans by <laughs> robots after they become self-aware and take over, yeah. basically. <laughs> um, it's just a family road trip comedy movie as they try to save the world, um, and just to me, fantastically well done. Where they take enough time at both the start and the end to make sure that it's a heartwarming story with I think comedy along the way. You see the daughter and her father not getting along or not not understanding each other for the, the duration of the movie. And then at the end, they just they learn how to appreciate each other. I think it's not like they uh, get on. It's not like they're just become the same person or whatever. It's just that they learn how to appreciate each what each other is 
in their lives. Um, but along the way, I mean, it's absolutely hilarious. I think, um, I guess Samantha will tell you more than anybody, but, uh, I almost died of laughter during uh, a mall set piece scene um, that features the best use of Furbies of all time. Um, there's two robots they befriend that draw Sharpie faces on themselves that learn to feel emotions that I love. Um, Those two are great. It's just, it was so, it's so funny. There's a, there's a, a little pug and he kind of looks like a dog, but he kind of looks like a loaf of bread, but he kind of looks like a pig. Like you don't know what's going on there. It's just, it's so great. There's cupcakes and I, I loved it. I laughed so much. It's very funny. Um, and it, yeah, I wasn't like, I've gone back. So really, to I only had it's not like I had like only like four beers in me or something. It's not like I was like blackout <laughs> no, drunk. Yeah, well, I was just dying laughing. I just think it's hilarious. So it's awesome. There's Watch, so many good. There's rinse, kills. Yeah, there's so many good ones. Like I liked. Um, it's like oh yeah, mom's scary now. Like, <laughs> well, and they do. They also do kind of what Spider Verse did, but there's like comic booky moments where they're telling the story, but then there's like and since they're in an animated movie, it gives them more room to work with the medium where they do like thought bubbles or like picture, like just imaginative artwork uh, that I loved with it. Yeah. Uh, and, so. and, and I know that um, Phil Lord and Chris Miller didn't direct it, but they produced it. And uh, by all accounts, they sort of oversaw it. It's their animation style that they like to uh, play into. And it just looks, and they're just the, the best guys in the medium right now. I mean, they just, yeah. everything that they make is great. Even the freaking Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs movies are good. You know, everything that those guys are making right now is awesome. I've heard they those made, are very good, but I've never seen them. Yeah. I haven't either, but they, they made an ad fun. Yeah. Like, just the, the whole thing. Like, <laughs> an hour and a half ad. Like, they made the freaking, they made the chick a letterbox account. Like, it's <laughs> awesome. Like, the whole thing is great. Yeah. Uh, the Mitch vs. the Machine is the best animated movie of the year. Like I said, other than the Rotoscope documentary Flea. But that's one that's just been rising and rising and rising on my list. I would not be surprised if 10 years from now, if I like have a family and I look back on it, that that would be my top 10. I could easily say yeah. yeah, so, yeah, Mitchell's, I loved, as I said, it's all three of these are my, my three favorite movies of the year. Um, but I had the the best time watching it. It's probably the one I'll revisit the most, uh, where I tell people, you'll like this movie. So, uh, Mitchell, we're on to number ones. What did you... What did you have for number one? I think we spoiled it, but... Well, we, we kind of spoiled it, and I, I yeah. tried not to play in, into it too much. And I feel like I took something different away from it than you did, just having read the book, uh, but it's Dune. Um, Dune is a story that you can, you can just see the influence it has had on so many different things throughout its history. You know, it, you get these little moments in the film where... You're like, wait, is that is that inspired by this or wait, did this inspire that? And you're not you're not even really sure where it's coming from. But there, there's just so much that went into this. It's such a well made movie. It's one of those movies that actually used the massive budget that it was allotted. That you can see where each and every brushstroke was was placed on on the canvas. Honestly. I can understand why some people wouldn't wouldn't enjoy it as much as I have. There's a lot of very detailed bits that I, I think it, it's a little tough to pick up on if you haven't read the book. But it is just a, such a well-crafted version of this story that I've loved ever since I read in high school. 
and it really brought the pages to life for me in a way that I think I'm going to be remembering for years and years to come. I think it was interesting seeing it now, knowing the book had come out when 63 or something like that. The, the influence it's had on books and movies since that time. And also the like influence that probably, I guess Lord of the Rings had on it to some extent, but like just seeing like kind of the Messiah figure, but you see a ton of star Wars in this movie that was written before star Wars. So it's interesting (laughs) watching it in 2021. Um, I had a great time with it. I one thing that stands out is that how out of place Duncan Idaho is, and like that's not Jason Momoa's fault. I think he, he's he's so likable in that role, but like even just naming someone Duncan Idaho in this weird space <laughs> odyssey is bizarre. But that's that's what they did in the book. Um, well, and I <laughs> I think it it's kind of a needed character in the in the film because so much of it is so. A lot of the characters are fairly monotonous like they have their thing you kind of get it pretty quickly what what their thing it's, is you need that character to say no no, no this world yeah. has some life they're just dealing with a lot of a lot of things that bring them down and and it's it's weird because like with me reading the book right now they get through a lot of big plot points fast and a lot of people are not not one dimensional, but like everybody has their very clearly defined goals and plans. And so that makes them a straightforward character. Yeah. And then you just have Duncan Idaho who's just like out there having a good time, which is weird. <laughs> but yeah, so overall, I mean, I really enjoyed it. I just had a tough time ranking it. And yeah. I do understand where Mitchell's coming from that it, it seems like a great adaption, which is what all you can ask for. I know. So. It, well, it's such a. A well-loved story, too. So getting that level of adaption, I think, really, really just cemented it as one of my favorites. Uh, Clint, what'd you think? As somebody that hasn't read the books, it seemed like a lot of backstory to me, and there wasn't, like, a lot of substance (laughs) enough. Like, it seemed like they skipped over, like, the battle for, like, I guess the city that they were taking over, and there wasn't, like, a lot of action to it. I'm not there in the book yet, but I think that's the point. The important, they they knew they were gonna get fucked. Mm-hmm. That's why they sent them to Arrakis, um, House Atreides. Knew it was them getting backstabbed. So I think when the city gets overthrown instantly, yeah. it's because both sides knew what was about to happen. So that's not the They're point just of the get movie. Messed up anyway, yeah. Regardless. Yeah. So, but that's yeah. my interpretation. I think. Well, but, and. A lot of the book is kind of throwing your expectations off. So you're expecting this big battle. You, you're hearing all the, yeah. oh, the House of Trades, they're these very fearsome fighters, and then... You just skipped over it. Yeah. Gone. Yeah. I thought it was okay. Um, I loved Peter Sarsgaard in the tar pit, uh, <laughs> and the sandworms were sick as hell. What about the spider person? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm into that. That's cool. Um, fucking Helen Mirren in that one scene where she puts the hand in the box, and I was yeah. like, this is kind of sick, too. I liked all the weird stuff. Um, it just ultimately felt kind of hollow to me. I didn't really feel like there was all, like like Clinton said, substance. I thought it was all style and no substance, really. But um, I, I look forward to one day watching like the eight-hour cut of all three Dune movies together or whatever. Maybe that'll feel like a real movie. Yeah. I don't it, know. It's just two movies, but there are, what, th- three There's... main sequels to it, I think? So there are three sequels. 
some people say the first sequel is really just to set up the second sequel, so it really doesn't mean a lot. <laughs> yeah. So, but the story of Dune, I forget what the name of that first book is. Children of, no, Children of Dune is later. But anyways. This, there's like Messiah, Children of Dune, yeah. and. The first yeah. book will be wrapped up in two movies, whether or not they go on from the, there. The, the Messiah be. story. Yeah. Like, it's like, yeah, cool. Like, I, like well, I, I know the Bible. I think Timothy. No, no, no I, I don't think you. You don't know where it's going yet. Yeah. Uh, yeah that's <laughs> I don't really care. Yeah, yeah. That's, no, fair. that's fair. That's fair. It's yeah. not going to be a straight Messiah story. But I do think Timothy didn't play it well enough where I, I think maybe he should have been more cocky in the movie. Very bizarre casting, in my opinion. Maybe. He seems so meek. And... He seems very distant, too. Like, you, you get that he's supposed to be this this next heir and he's got something with his dad in Duncan Idaho yeah. but other than that he, he doesn't really feel like he lives in and Mitchell's the same world. already kind of betraying it but like he's not he's not going to be like the he's not going to be the main hero of the story necessarily and so like but he thinks he's the hero of the story which is an interesting way to watch it through his eyes right so but i don't think in the movie they convey that well where he thinks he's yeah. going to save everybody well, I, I actually think they played it the way they wanted to. Okay. Um, I I think there's there's just a lot that's gonna happen in the the next movie. Yeah. To, and I haven't yeah. finished the book. I only know the setup. But like, I just his internal monologue seemed like he liked himself a lot more than came across <laughs> in the movie. So we'll see though. Mm-hmm. Uh, Clint, what was? Did you have a number one? Do you know what you'd pick? I don't. Okay. Maybe that's fair. inside, maybe inside, because I loved it so much. Okay. okay. No, that's fair. Which is, I mean, that's great reviews. To, it's got yeah. three top tens, and AJ would put it in top 20. Yeah. So. Probably, yeah, probably 10 to 20, somewhere in that. So, yeah. yeah. So go, yeah, that's on Netflix if you get the chance. Yeah, I um, that one. Uh, AJ, what was your number one? So, my number one, it's already been mentioned. It was at four on Ryan and Mitchell's list. Right. It's David Lauber's The Green Knight. And uh, while again, you know, I, I sort of, my, my whole thing is, Movies, it's not what they're about, it's how they're about it. Uh, but I would be lying to you if, like, a medieval fantasy epic is not, like, totally my shit. Like, of course it is. <laughs> and I do have a small tattoo on my left arm of this director's previous, one of his previous films, A Ghost Story. So if I was not as in, in the tank for this movie as I possibly could be, I don't know <laughs> who it would have been. But I thought it was fantastic. Um, it's a movie that has a lot of layers to it, but it is rewarding to watch without knowing those uh you know we had a sort of a discussion in a text thread afterwards when we sort of like read what some people thought about it and there are these trials and tribulations that Dev Patel's character uh Gowan goes on through the movie and all of those have their own interpretations but really just watching the story play out from start to finish is fascinating and enthralling and it looks beautiful and just the notes of you know the questions that it brings up and the fact that it sort of ends at a point where it's were those are those questions even worth asking or are they even worth caring about does it even matter um if, if you need a brief way into this movie um it's adapted from an old medieval poem uh, called sir gowan and the green knight uh basically gowan De- played by deb patel fantastically one of the best performances of the year i hope that deb patel is our future movie star he's phenomenal um he goes to a christmas dinner he's sort of in line for a noble chair but is not quite there yet um, and he doesn't, you know, he would rather just BS around in the brothels all day. He doesn't really care about extolling the virtues of being a knight. Um, this mythical, uh, character, the green knight comes in on horseback and offers to play a game with anyone that will have it. Uh, 
they he is allowing them to strike him uh strike a blow anywhere on him of any sort of power with his axe as long as one year hence they will meet him at his home of the green chapel out in the woods and he will inflict the same damage upon them um dev patel being an idiot uh, decides to try and chop his head off, uh, and much to his dismay... The he does head- chop his head off. Well, sorry, sorry, succeeds <laughs> yeah. in chopping his head off, but much to his dismay, uh, the headless body, uh, laughing, then picks up his uh, severed head, puts it back on his body, says one year hence, and sort of leaves to go back to his house, and then Dev Patel sort of realizes that he's at a crossroads in his life, and that either, and that if he doesn't go, you know, if he goes, either he will die nobly, or he will have done something good enough to prove to everyone else that he is worthy of where he's supposed to end up. And that's sort of the rest of the movie, is him getting tested by these various spirits, and what is real and isn't real, and some great performances thrown in that by Barry Kyojin and Joel Edgerton and Alicia Vikander. <laughs> uh, and it's a phenomenal movie that makes you think so much. It's the movie I've thought the most about this year, and that's normally what ends up my number one. So more yeah. commented than I thought I'd seen the movie this year. A lot of yeah, you want to see Devin Tell come? I mean, uh, no, it was great. It's got a very ambiguous an- ending that yes. it was right up Ages Alley. Um, don't see it high. I think it would. It, 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 it freaked me out sober. I wish I would have saw it high. You, did, you, know, you have nightmares. <laughs> I, oh my god! Um, the giants would be sick. The no. giant. Yeah. Well, the, I was gonna say the giants would be the most horrifying, but <laughs> sure, whatever. Here, I think the is. fox talking might have set me over the <laughs> There's oh boy. So it's interesting, and it's one that benefits on understanding some context of mm-hmm. what the trials he's going through are, and how it compares to the the fable that's being told. But from a very vanilla point of view, you can watch him. He's just debating. Do I would I rather uh, die a hero or live as a coward? Basically, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's great. Me and Mitchell had it four. AJ had it at one. Yeah. Did you like it, Clint? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I just thought everything was so dragged out. I went into it blind, so I didn't like. I didn't know the poem. That I was. I knew his like chivalry was being tested and all that, but like, just seemed a lot of stuff was dragged out, and I didn't understand the giants part. But it just seemed yeah. like he felt it. I, I don't know if it was the purpose of him, was just he failed at everything. Yeah, it, it, is, it, is, at everything. it is sort of an exploration, too, because yeah. even David Lowry has said he doesn't really know what he makes of the poem. He's yeah. sort of trying to explore his feelings about it through this yeah. movie. So. Yeah. No, I think and it's I, like one of those movies where I have to like rewatch it to like yeah. maybe better understand. And I, I agree with Clint. I liked it more once I read about it. Now, but in the. I didn't know what the giants meant when I was watching it, but when these naked, like giants is an understatement. Like these naked, They're massive. Yeah. yeah, skyscraping humanoid things show <laughs> up. Like, I didn't know what to make of it, but I was like, Oh my God. Like, <laughs> him and, his, like, and he's yeah. yeah. I don't think the Fox had talked to him yet, but the Fox was with, with no, him yeah. for that. Yeah. Yep. And you're just like, Oh, oh my God. And that's, like, th- and that's the thing too. It's like, it's like, on one hand, the, 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 well, yeah, but like like the, the fox starts following him, and then and you're like, okay, this is like seems normal, but then as the movie goes on, you're like, well, how the fuck is this gonna end? Like, there's no, there has to be some point to this fox, and of course, it's like the weirdest possible outcome. Well, and then also, there's one of my favorite shots of the year is he, um, not screws over, but he earned some comeuppance from Barry Keogh's group of bandits or whatever. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. And he gets ca- tied about. to a tree and the camera does this 
That's panoramic shot. So much. Oh, it's such a that. slow shot, but I loved amazing. it. I loved it. It does a panoramic shot from him tied up to the tree. It goes in a 360 circle and it shows his skeleton at the tree. Then it goes back around the other way and shows him still alive at the tree, like basically showing his two possible paths. And I, mm-hmm. I loved that shot. Fantastic. Uh, and Clint is shaking his head. <laughs> 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 uh, so when I first saw, saw that scene, I was like, wait. Did he die? Yeah. Was that the the bandit that got thrown back? Like I I really didn't know yeah. what was going on, and it wasn't until I got a moment to to think after that scene had ended that I was like, oh no 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 he's he's fine. I I wasn't really sure how he got some of his stuff back, but that's fair. Yeah, it, yeah, it, 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 it leaves it a lot open to you. It beautifully disarms. I mean, like like Ryan said, it's 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 that sort of you know it's showing just you know th- there's a lot of points in the journey where. Dev Patel easily could die. And it's just one very clear one where it's like, look, like at any moment if something goes wrong, this dude could be dead. Yeah. Well, and, and, it and, just and, raises the stakes. There, there are some movies that just don't have stakes, and that movie does. But it, and that scene is the most, I think, uh, clear cut one of him finding his courage. Because from that, there's there's like ghosts, and there's giants, and there's trees, and there's all kinds of shit where like you really have to think about what you're, what's going on. But that one was clear. Like if he just for lack of a better term was a pussy he was going to stay tied to that tree and become a skeleton he went through all his trials and tribulations and he failed every single one of them he didn't fail all of them he didn't it's well which one did he not fail he didn't fail some of them are more or less the redheaded chick he almost failed it and then she was like really and then he was like you're right and then he did the right thing and i I think the beheaded Girl. Well, he he asked for a reward for like going into yeah I think which he failed he just didn't do it out of the kindness of his heart yeah but As he also a, didn't try to rape her I think yeah. there was yeah. layers to it yeah I think she was raped and then beheaded the ghost yes. yeah. And then she came back as a human and he like he was like gonna help her out but he's like but what's in it for me and she was yeah, like exactly. why don't you just help out. Which Help me out. I'm missing my head. <laughs> that's why, like, I think that's why you failed. Maybe. And that's, it's open to our interpretation. Like, because we don't, not, you know, it's an ambiguous ending for AJ. You don't really know what becomes of him at each step. Yeah. Certainly at the ending. Yeah. So if you want to see, because I think the director had a much more pessimistic take on the whole movie than I wanted to read into it. Yeah. So, well, the, the, it, it does not end specifically the way that the poem ends. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the the poem gives you an an answer to what happens to Gowan at the end of the movie. Yeah, and the movie doesn't give you an answer, but I know how I prefer that it ended. So exactly. I I like the literal ending of the movie. Does it fit thematically? I don't know. But yeah, I loved it. I thought it was great. So my number one movie then got about thirteen minutes left here. Um, I put in the heights. Wow, oh, that's awesome. So, uh. I've seen In the Heights a number of times since it came out. I think we saw it in June. The trailer had come out in 2020, I believe, and I was actually really excited for it, which is weird for me. I hadn't I hadn't seen Hamilton. I'm not a musical guy. I've never seen Les Miserables. Um, I've seen Sound of Music. I don't know what else you'd count in there. Like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Did you go watch West Side Story? Oh, well, that was after. I hadn't seen West Side Story. Um West Side Story ended up at 12 for me, by the way. Okay. okay. I like West Side Story a little bit more than this, but I like them both a lot. Yeah. 
for me, I just, I loved the energy that In the Heights brought. I mean, especially the opening. in The opening In the Heights song, I've listened to a thousand times already. Mm. It's like an eight-minute mixed opening of, like, it starts off with him narrating, and it's got, like, musical cues of, from the city. And then it becomes a day at the shop, and he's inter- they're introducing all the characters. And then it finally becomes this, like, grandiose dance number at the end. Um, and it's great. Um, the, and as it goes on, you know, there's some plot points I didn't care about, but overall there's just so many different types of music in there. I love, um, the Benny's dispatch song. I, I really like, which is kind of like a, just kind of a poppy love song. There's the, uh, 24,000 or uh, 94,000, 96,000, 96, <laughs> one of those numbers, um, which is this like citywide, celebratory song with all these different parts going on. There's the the fireworks. There's some more contemplative songs, like a character dies. Um, and I think part of it for me being at number one was just that, you know, I always try to pick something a little different each year outside the mainstream. But for me, this was like the musical that made me like musicals. Hmm. So that was a big deal. Um, and I think it's another one you can show anybody and they'll f- find something to enjoy about it. Um, Nothing was too on the nose about it because they they touch on a lot of socio-political topics without even ever being too heavy-handed, in my opinion. Um, so I loved it in the Heights. It didn't make anybody else's list, but uh, that's great. I th- I, we all liked it though. I, I, I yeah. like the movie quite a bit. That's great. Well, I, I love that you had that one. I didn't have it because I haven't finished it yet. Well, yeah, and you just never saw it. But also, they have the um, the barber. I forget the song at the um, No Me Diga. I like that song a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, eight, uh, <laughs> Henry's up here fucking shit here. up. <laughs> um, and the other thing I really loved was I think I thought Anthony Ramos was um, enrapturing. I guess it's weird because he's the main character, but there's actually a lot of main. There's characters who all have their story going on. There's three to four that are important to the story and he just steals the show which i don't think was the point it was i think it was an accident of just how charismatic he is uh but he was fantastic in it the movie doesn't work if he's not amazing in it and he absolutely is uh cory hawkins great listener is great um jimmy smith's awesome movies the movie's great i mean like like you said i mean that's when mitchell was talking about inside making his spotify wrapped i mean a bunch of fucking songs from In the Heights were on my Spotify <laughs> raps. Like, I listened to that cast album over and over and over again, and I had my favorites. And that's just one where, like, I can just be in the middle of a song and just start, like, just spontaneously crying. Like, I just, I thought that In the Heights was great. Yeah. So, um, there's our top ten list. Um, quickly to touch on my, the bottom of my list. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we saw Clifford the Big Red Dog. That was Samantha loves dog movies. And since she's a movie pass holder, we recognize her. Um, uh, right to recall us to see a dog movie. So we saw Clifford, <laughs> bizarre movie. It, it the Clifford the Big Red Dog cartoon was on like like with Arthur or whatever when we were kids, mm-hmm. right? It's aimed at six year olds or four year olds or something. This movie was based the the main character was like twelve, I think, something like that, yeah. But a lot of the humor was aimed for a, like people who would have been kids when Clifford originally came out. And it results in this bizarre mishmash of a movie that's supposed to be for four-year-olds, but is about 12-year-olds, but is aimed for adults. <laughs> Wild. Not a good movie. There's a couple chuckles in there. Terrible CGI. Um, but it's ahead of three movies for me. Say, yeah, what did you hate more than that? <laughs> right behind that, I have Army of the Dead. Uh, oh, yeah, I didn't see that. So, 
Yeah, so that's Zack Snyder's um, <laughs> zombie <laughs> casino heist. Yeah. And the the th- plot of it is fantastic. It's There's a zombie outbreak in Vegas, but they contain it. It's cool. So it's not like a world-ending thing. There's still all the, your money is still good, so they want to rob Vegas <laughs> and use that money like they would in normal society. The problem is they're inevitably betrayed by a guy who says, well, a live zombie is worth more than all the money in that vault. Well, they get the live zombie 20 minutes into the movie, and then he, so they cut off its head, and it's still like, right? So he sticks in a bag and then goes to help them rob the vault. But then once they get to the vault, he betrays them. And it's just like, dude, why didn't you just turn? They literally walk in, they have a, like a, whatever, a perimeter. They walk in, the first zombie they fight, he cuts the head off. And puts it in the bag. It was like, dude, you could have just turned around and walked back out. Instead, you get all the way into the heart of it and then make everything go wrong. And it really pissed me off when they do that twist. Because it's like, it just made the movie make no sense. Now, Dave Bautista, it was shot cool. It's a cool plot. But it just Zack Snyder couldn't help himself. You're going to watch the sequel? So, well, it's a prequel. Or whatever, yeah. I haven't seen one. it. No, I'm just saying, are you going to watch it, though? Maybe. Okay. Because that part was cool. Well, they also, they play with, when they get down to the vault, there's a bunch of skeletons bodies that look like them and they start playing with, Oh my God, like have they hired people to do this before? Or is that us? We're in like some kind of hell. Like there's a lot of weird, when they get down there and see the bodies, like, Oh my God, this is gonna be so cool. No, awful. Don't see it. <laughs> but yeah. That was one of those where like, I kept uh, like, I don't know how many times I like had my cursor hovering over army of the dead on Netflix like 10 <laughs> times probably. And I just couldn't bring myself to do it long uh... too. After that, I've got venom. Car- Venom, Carnage, oh, whatever that on. movie was. This is like kind of a good. This is like sneakily a good movie. <laughs> I really hated it. Um, I don't know. I don't exactly recall recall why I have it this low. They like the design was the same. Woody Harrelson's terrible in it. Um, I just I didn't enjoy it. Probably, it's a rom com. It probably deserves to be ahead of Army of the Dead. Yes. Not saying much. My final movie, my Lion King movie. I forget what else I've had in the bottom, but the, this is one where I put it down there because I'm like a vindictive little shit. Um, <laughs> Without Remorse, the Michael B. J- Jordan Amazon oh, Prime God, movie. I forgot about this. I complained about this early. I think I was on say, a it, came out, it came out so long ago that we talked about it on a podcast, which we haven't done so, in months. Yeah. <laughs> so I went on a Tom Cruise kick. Um, a couple years ago, Tom Clancy. Jesus, Tom Clancy. <laughs> Tom, Tom Cruise too. Cruise. I like. I yeah. like. I we mean, love Tom Cruise. Uh, the next Mission Impossible is coming it's out. Be sick, dude. Uh, I just watched Fallout again the other week. Oh so my good. god. Well, and I'm, a, I'm so intrigued good. by Top Gun, but yeah. um, Without Remorse is a Tom Clancy novel that's amazing. Um, now, whether or not you could do it perfectly in present day uh, is, you probably could. It's just. It takes place in um, like late '80s, early '90s Baltimore, which had really bad gang problems, and so there's you know the racial tone undertones of the book are questionable. Though it never, I don't think it ever expressly says like this black guy or whatever. There's undertones to it. However, whatever they did with this movie had nothing to do with the book and it was it was terrible so michael b jordan is this badass who at like one point he the guy he wants to get revenge on he drives him to the airport locks him in the car pours gasoline on it lights it on fire and like all these cameras catch him doing it because of course they would because it's the airport and then he's on the run and none of this has happened in the book and also he's supposed to be this he's um 
like an army ranger or a navy seal or whatever who's the, just the cream of the crop badass and michael b jordan's just a dumbass um early in the movie when his house gets broken into they murder his wife which is what sets him on this revenge tour um the reason he wakes up is because they cut the power to the house which turns off his mac which doesn't make any sense unless he had a dead Mac battery, but it was still plugged in. So as soon as they cut the power, it instantly killed his laptop. But he's sitting there listening to music, and the and they cut. The, he's asleep listening to music, and they cut the power, but it doesn't turn any lights off because it's already night. But his Mac dies, and the music stops, so he wakes up because of that. Oh, it was bad. It was so bad. It was so bad. I'm sorry that we're closing on this. I just wanted to complain about without remorse a second time. No, you're okay. I mean, we we can all uh, really quickly. Well, we, 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 have, yeah. we have an engagement to get to. You, you, you guys don't have anything yeah. that you really hated? No, I had a pretty... I had a lot of, like, middling movies on my list this year. Nothing I, I really disliked. I'd yeah. Say. It was just like if they took Dune and just did the opposite. It was with, without remorse. The book is so <laughs> good. And the, the movie was trash. So. Yeah. So if, if you want to see my full stuff, um, you can follow my letterbox, AJ2Cinema. I have all my, the movies I've seen this year, 1 through 71 ranked. And also uh, my WordPress blog is the same thing, AJ2Cinema. I go into my top 10 a little bit more in depth and do some other Oscar-related stuff and whatever. Um, so you can see my honorable mentions there and stuff like that. What is Breeze over that? We kind of mention a lot of them anyways. So the movies I hated, don't look up. Uh, <laughs> Adam McKay, fuck you. Uh, I, don't, I don't know what else to say. Why don't you make comedies anymore? I don't understand you. Step Brothers is awesome. Talladega Nights is awesome. But like this and Vice just fucking blow. Uh, they're terrible. Um, the, uh, the, the, um, the newest installment in the Conjuring franchise, one of my favorite running franchises. I don't know why they decided to hand it over to this idiot, Michael Chavez, but he sucks at directing. He's terrible. Um, they should just back up a money truck into James Wan's backyard and make him direct the next <laughs> one. Cause he's Malignant. A- he is clearly the only one. Yeah. Oh yeah. Malignant. Malignant's, uh, I kind of liked it. Malignant is awesome. I really thought about cheating and putting Malignant and Old Tide at my number ten. I like <laughs> both of those movies a lot. They're fantastic. You should watch both of those. Um, Space Jam: A New Legacy. I don't know if I oh, maybe yeah, have talked about Space this Jam. on the podcast you or not, but um, that movie is totally terrible. Um, just a total IP cash grab. Um, Godzilla vs Kong, I also hated uh, that. I had that ahead of Mortal Kombat. That was the I had a tight. I like Mortal game. Kombat more than that. Really? Maybe just because the blood cycle. Honestly, <laughs> is it the spinning the... hat one? Oh no, that's when he freezes the blood and stabs him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If it weren't for sweet. the blood cycle, maybe Mortal Kombat would have been lower. But it, it got raised up because the blood cycle. Um, you guys kind of like Jungle Cruise. I don't know why. That I had Jungle Cruise at like twelve or something. Totally <laughs> awful. Like uh, nothing Cruise. happens in that movie. I can't remember anything other than the jaguar getting drunk. Um, uh, but you do remember it. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I mean, The Rock and Emily Blunt have no chemistry whatsoever. No, they have no it's chemistry. just terrible. I mean, one, but I like The Rock and I like Emily Blunt. So. I That's wish Channing Tatum one. would be in it. I'm glad that Channing Tatum is back in movies now because he can <laughs> take place great, of, in some of The Rock roles because The Rock needs to do less movies. He's The Rock is charismatic, but he's not a good actor, which is weird. But Channing Tatum actually like is a good actor. In the right oh, yeah. role, he is fantastic 100% like Hateful Eight Jump Street like these are different movies that he's very good in Uh, 
Sorry, go on. No, no, you're good. I mean, I'm, I'm almost done. Uh, and then Clifford would have been my second to last one. Cause I, just I liked, don't. just for the record, I liked Clifford more than I thought I would. I, <laughs> I did not. I, I thought it was totally terrible. I assumed it would be the worst movie I saw yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. And, like, I didn't hate it. It I wasn't didn't. good. <laughs> I said, I did not want to go see it with you guys. That's how much I did not want to see that movie. Yeah. It, it just, it was so weird that I kind of enjoy. It was not cats level enjoyable, but it had a cats thing to it where of like this is terrible, but I'm getting some laughs. Like, <laughs> yeah, I thought it was like what if Paddington, but like totally awful. Um, I don't know. Um, and then Free Guy was the, the movie I hated the most <laughs> this year. I was so close, AJ. Um, I was so close. Yeah, I, I'm 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 ecstatic that I didn't make anyone's list because I know that you it guys would be, it would make Sam's it. list. Oh, I'm sure it would have. But yeah, I I think that that movie is evil and what is. Everything that's wrong with movies these days is encapsulated in the last 20 minutes of that movie. It was mid-tier for me. I, I was close to making a top six just to throw that in there. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I couldn't justify it. I had I had other movies higher. I, I couldn't do it. Yeah, that, that movie, is, it's a cinematic kick. A cinematic villain of a kick in the nuts. <laughs> so that's all we have. Uh, that's our 2021 movie recap. Um, I guess the clothing thought, closing thought would be um, that Ben's the skim, so... Yep. That's it. Hot and take, now, hot take not me. Uh, Malignant might be a number one slasher movie. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, I love it. Slasher pod next yeah. week. I won't contribute. Next week. <laughs> and now, off with your head. <laughs>